Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the Character and Smallman Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Uh, Michelle is out. Dan McLaughlin is in. I'm Randy. Great to have you with us at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, and Danny Mac in for Michelle. Good morning, my man. Well, good morning, Randy. Is your energy down because I'm in and Michelle's gone? No, or is my, it... my energy is down All because right. okay. if... I just had to check. The, the NFL kind of disappointed the state of Missouri yesterday. It did, and uh, both my picks, I was looking really good for a while, too. Yeah, I guess my, both of my picks went down the tubes, too. I had Kansas City winning. I thought they were going to win big. I had 35-23, KC. Yeah, I, I thought they were going to win two touchdowns, Yep. and I felt pretty good at 21-3, and then I didn't <laughs> feel too good after the... You know, you go back to the final possession of the first half with Mahomes. It was such an yeah, odd possession right. for the Chiefs. And then, obviously, the adjustments were made in the second half. Not enough credit is going to be given to the Bengals' defense instead of saying, well, what happened to Patrick Mahomes? He's one man. He's a great player. He's an elite player. Make the case he's the best player in the league. But for 20 minutes, you know what? They they shut him down. And for the better part of that second half of those, you know, the 30, I'd say probably two-thirds of it, 20 to 23, 24 minutes, he was shut down. Right. You know? So Super Bowl Lawrence Taylor is set up. Bengals over the Chiefs yesterday, 27-24. <laughs> Rams over the Niners, 20-17. to was, uh, was Mark Burley 56 with the White Sox? Yes. So Super Bowl Mark Burley. Yes. Who else can we throw in there? Was Lubos not Barteczko? Uh, no. 56, the, the Russian, Dmitry Yaskin. Was he yeah, Yaskin, I believe, was. He may yeah. have been. So, so, anyway, You're a numbers guy, Randy. Yeah. You, you know, I just show up. Yeah. So Super Bowl 56 at SoFi, and we, we know this. There's going to be a lot of black and orange in the stands Wait, in a couple of weeks. It's been so long for the Bengals to be mm-hmm. there. And then the manner in which now they've done this and the teams that they beat to get there, you know they're going to travel well. They're so excited. We've seen yesterday what the 49er fans did. They, they probably, I would say on the low end, we're at 60%. That's on the low end. Yeah, I would say very low end. Yeah. So let, let's say 60 to 70% was Niner fans. Now you have an open market for the country to go to this game. Mm-hmm. Bengal fans from all over the country, certainly those in Ohio. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be feeling like a road game again for the Rams. And it, you know what? <laughs> to me, what yesterday showed, Randy, is that L.A. really didn't want, maybe, or need the NFL. Mm-hmm. They could have wanted it. They didn't need it. Right. It just looked like the NFL sure wanted L.A., yeah. and they had the right guy to take him there, and here we are. Yep. We'll get to that game in a moment, but let's start with Arrowhead Stadium across the state. The early game, and early on, it looked like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs would be rolling. They get a touchdown. They're up 7-3 to three when Patrick Mahomes goes back to work. Third down and two from the five. Pringle comes in motion to the near side. Snap. Mahomes steps up in trouble. Spins out of it. To his right. Mahomes buying time. Running. Floats it. End zone. Caught. Touchdown. Travis Kelsey. Patrick Mahomes is a magician. And the extra point was good. Mahomes would hit Nicole Hardman later in the second quarter. Samarja Perrine, though, made it a closer game with 105 left in the first half. 
This cannot be an empty possession for the Cincinnati Bengals. They trail 21 to 3. We're down to a minute 19 to go in the first half. Second down and 12. P. Ryan now in there. Shotgun. Burrow. Rush coming. Gets rid of it. Toss to P. Ryan. Catch made at the 40. He's still going. 35-30. P. Ryan. He might go down the sideline. P. Ryan is in. Touchdown Cincinnati on a catch and run. A whiff by Ward. And he turns it upfield for 41 yards. The Bengals had to have it. And you still felt pretty good about Kansas City. They take it down the field. And as you mentioned, Dan, they have the ball inside the five-yard line. And for whatever reason, Patrick Mahomes doesn't throw it into the end zone in the closing seconds. And Tyreek Hill gets tackled shy of the end zone. No timeouts left for Kansas City. And rather than picking up a field goal to make it 24-10, it's a 21-10 game at halftime. And it cost them those points, maybe cost them the game, and maybe cost them a little momentum going into the second half because the next... Five possessions for them after that went punt, punt, interception, punt, punt. And in the second half, Patrick Mahomes was 8 of 15, 55 yards. So he looked human. And uh, I, I, again, though, I, I'm going to stress this. I think this morning we're not giving enough credit to the Bengals, Bengals. defense. Yeah. Man, I mean, they made the adjustment. They dropped 8-plus, and it looked like Mahomes was, was shook. And if you look at his numbers, when teams would drop 8-plus, Randy, he was human. Now, the thing that allows him to be really good when you do that is because of his legs. He can scramble, and he can get out of the pocket, and he can make things happen. But he did not yesterday in that second half. And and even on that touchdown pass to Kelsey, they did a good job of containing him within the pocket, making him spin around and not allowing him to get to the perimeter. So in the third quarter, McPherson with a 31-yard field goal, Burrow with a great drive to hit Chase for a two-yard score, 21-21 after three quarters. Evan McPherson with another 52-yard field goal with 6.04 to go, but Harrison Buckner, after the drive by Mahomes, ties it with no time on the clock. So we go to overtime, Mahomes with an overtime interception to set up the winner for Cincinnati. A 31-yard attempt for Cincinnati. Snap, placement, McPherson, kick on the way. It's good! McPherson knocks it through, and the fairy tale continues for the Cincinnati Bengals. They are going to the Super Bowl. First time since 1988. Why not us if you're Cincinnati? Who day? They headed to the Super Bowl. The Super the defense was great. Joe Burrow 23 of 38 for 250 and a couple of scores. Joe Mixon runs for 88 yards on 21 carries and the Bengals do advance and they go from worst to first heading to the Super Bowl after finishing last in the AFC North last year. Here's Joe Burrow. You know, that's a tough question because you know, you don't really think about it that way. You just think about it as, you know, going into an off season and, you know, working really hard for potential opportunities. And this is, you know, what you what you work so hard for. You know, we didn't go into the off season saying, hey, we got to have a great off season to make it to the Super Bowl next year. I think everyone just went into it and said, I have to get better as a player so we can be better as a team. He goes 23 for 38. 250 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Now, he's only in his second year. By the way, 
He's also coming off an injury, which mm-hmm. no one talks about, a major injury. So he's the fifth player in the past 30 years to enter a conference championship while leading the NFL in both completion percentage, yards per attempt, including the playoffs. He ran for four first downs in the game, and uh, he's a great player. He's a great player. And by the way, they have one hell of a kicker. Oh, Holy man. cow, that, is that guy That guy is money. Yeah, the rookie out of Florida, yeah. and he is terrific. And their special teams are great. So Cincinnati advances. The late game, much like yesterday. Oh, I, I got to ask you this one. When Patrick Mahomes and his team is leading by 15 points or more, okay, mm-hmm. what do you think his record was prior to yesterday? I'll bet he was undefeated. I'm going to say 27-0. 37 and 0. 37 and 0. 37 and 0. So that's how odd it is to see them lose that kind of game mm-hmm. with everything on the line at home. At home. In the second half of the AFC Championship. Remarkable. He was 37 and 0 when leading by 15 points or more. So the Bengals were able to overcome a big deficit. So were the LA Rams. Rams take the first league Cooper Cup from Matthew Stafford in the first quarter. It's or in the second quarter rather. Seven nothing in favor of the Rams. But back come the Niners. Debo Samuel catches a 44-yard pass and run from Jimmy Garoppolo to tie the game. Robbie Gold with a 38-yarder at halftime. It was 10-7 in favor of the Niners, and they increase their lead in the third. Second down, 11. From the Rams, 16, Garoppolo by himself in the gun, five wide. Here comes a four-man rush. There's the snap. He catches right on, throws a pass into the end zone, leaping to and falling down, catch, touchdown, Kittle! What a grab! Middle of the end zone! Another 16-yard touchdown pass! And San Francisco, late in the third, builds their lead 16-7 over the Rams. What a catch! In a congested end zone by the all-pro tight end, Kittle. Wow. And with their defense and their pass rush, the Niners were feeling pretty good. The place was shaking right there. It sure was. When yeah, he caught with... that pass, that place was going nuts. That's the, the crowd, by the way, of the quote-unquote road <laughs> team in the team. background. Right. Back come the Rams, though. Uh, drive from Stafford leads to an 11-yard touchdown pass to Cooper Cup with 13.30 left in the game. And by the way... That was one of the big drives of the game. The next drive, though, on the first, second play of the next drive, Dan, Matthew Stafford from his own 15-yard line, first and 10, throws deep down the middle across midfield, and Jaquiski Tart Mm -hmm. of the 49ers has the ball in his chest and drops it. That leads to a field goal by the Rams. They're up. Or they're tied now, 17-17. I don't know. You know what, Randy? I know mm-hmm. I'm interrupting. I, mm-hmm. It's always what if and what it could have, should have, right? Mm-hmm. If he makes that interception, I think they win the game. I think it's ball game. Yeah. I, I agree with you. But it didn't work out for San Francisco. Matt Gay hits a 30-yard field goal with 146 to go. Still some magic left for Jimmy Garoppolo. He had done it in this stadium just three weeks earlier, driving San Francisco to a game-tying touchdown. But on this day, Garoppolo couldn't pull off the win. The ball at the San Francisco 22. The clock is ticking at 126. They assemble at the line, third and 12. At the Niner, 22, Garoppolo in the gun. The snap, the drop back, the five-man rush. He's hit once, he bounces, he's hit again, he's sacked. No, he threw it away. He throws an interception as it was twirling. He just threw it wildly, and it was intercepted by Howard. The Rams have intercepted Garoppolo. The Rams. 
Williams with an intercept to Garoppolo as it was spinning like a top and wildly through the ball, trying to throw it away, and it was picked off and taken to the 13-yard line of San Francisco. Rams will take over. And that may be their ticket to the Super Bowl. It is their ticket to the Super Bowl. By the way, that PA announcer for the Rams is annoying. I think everything they do is annoying for you, Randy. Yeah, <laughs> Let's is, just be honest. That guy, I mean, <laughs> you don't need a guy that... Well, let's put it this way. You you are the NFL. Be better, NFL. You don't need a guy that screams the entire game. I would say this, though. The Rams made a couple of moves that raised eyebrows in the middle of this season, mm-hmm. and they paid off. Right. Von, Von Miller, they picked him up. He was a difference maker in the game yesterday. Odell Beckham had over 100 yards receiving. Beckham had not been a great yeah. player since 2016. He has been great for the Rams. He has, and so those two pickups have been big for them. Uh, Stafford was really good. I thought I, I love Matthew Stafford. I always think he, I've always thought he has been a good quarterback. If you put him around competent players, good players, good team, good organization, he just needed to get out of a communist state. Thirty-one of forty-five yesterday, and then uh, Cooper Cup. Well, I mean, what can you say about this guy, man? He's unstoppable, hey. and nobody covers him. <laughs> so that's the thing. It's like. You, you see they're going to double him or they're going to cheat to where he's at, and they still can't find a way to get him covered. And Stafford obviously is looking at him. Kind of remind. At one point I said to my son, I said, we're watching the game, I said, you don't remember Tony Banks and Isaac Bruce. He was too young. Mm-hmm. I said, Tony Banks would get under center, and I didn't care if it was Jerry Rice in his heyday and you bring me the best wide receivers in the world. Tony Banks, his eyes were on Isaac Bruce every single time because right. it was the only Locked guy he was going to throw to, you know, when they were bad. But that's what it feels like sometimes watching Cooper Cup and Stafford. But the other thing I think about uh, moving forward now into the Super Bowl is how are the how are the Bengals going to protect Joe Burrow when you got Aaron Donald, who is just mm-hmm. still a – he's just a stud, and you got Von Miller – and that that's something you got to think about. And then how are you going to, you know, somehow try to stop Cooper Cup of the Rams? Rams are opening up as a three and a half point favorite, I guess, at home, you could say, uh, for the Super Bowl in, in two weeks yep. now. Here's Kyle Shanahan, who had beaten the Rams six times in a row. Guys were hurting. Obviously, I think everyone could guess how we feel. I'm so proud of those guys. I love this team. Every year is a different team. And this is as um, cool of a team as I've ever been a part of. And came up short today and that's part of sports and part of life and you got to deal with it uh, so those guys are hurting now but um they'll rebound and we'll be stronger for it yeah no you got to take advantage of these opportunities you aren't gonna you don't just slough off a loss like this and we, we see it with franchises franchises like the falcons who when they lost to the the patriots were never the same you look at patrick mahomes i mean he's only 26 years old but the Chiefs won a couple of years ago against San Francisco. Then they lose the Super Bowl. Now they don't make it to the Super Bowl. You never know when you're going That's to get right. back. You just can't take for granted that you're going to have opportunities like this. And the 49ers have contracts up, correct me if I'm wrong, with Debo. And they also have Nick Bosa, who's up. So you got to sign, you know, you're looking at your best offensive player and your best defensive player, and you got to get them signed. You don't know who your quarterback is going to be. That's right. And that's the other part of this. So there's Super Bowl 56 for you. It's going to be the Bengals 
at L.A. against the Rams, and that'll be a lot of the hype for the next two weeks. That's Dan in for Michelle. I'm Randy. Some other notes from the weekend. The Blues, of course, close out the first half with a 4-1 loss to Winnipeg on Saturday afternoon at Enterprise Center. The 24th-ranked Illini bounce back with a 59-56 win over Northwestern. Iowa State, the number 23rd team in the land, Hilton knocks Magic. off Mizzou. That was just Hilton Magic at its best there, It Randy. happens, yeah. yeah. 67-50 was the final there. Yeah. Uh, Mizzou, I don't know if it took much magic. They didn't really no. take a lot of magic. And SLU is back on the winning track with a 77-53 win over Duke. Keen on Saturday afternoon. Coming up with Dan and Randy, it's Start One, Bench One, Cut One on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. Character and Smallman. Solid athlete, solid arm. Start One. Warm up. You're going in. Bench One. Mediocre. Hit the shower. Cut one. You're off the team. I put head. What? It's start one, bench one, cut one on Character and Smallman. All right, we welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Dan is here. Randy is here. Matt Rocchio is here. And we want to hear from you as well. It's start one, bench one, cut one. Danny, since uh, we were both last together on a radio show, we've had the Hall of Fame vote. And congratulations to Big Poppy David Ortiz, who's going in. Start one, bench one, cut Ooh, one for good. players that are not going to make the Hall of Fame that you think should be Ooh, Hall of Famers. Right. A-Rod, Manny Ramirez, and Roger Clemens. I'm leaving Barry Bonds out of this because I think he'd be number one. Yeah, I think so, too. A-Rod, Manny, Clemens, start one, bench one, cut one. Uh, A-Rod would be number one. Clemens, number two. And who is the third? Manny Ramirez. Yeah. Manny would be my third. You agree? I think that I would uh, I would be with you in benching Manny. However, I think I would start Clemens. By the way, all three take away all the innuendo mm-hmm. of PEDs. Great players. They're all in. Yeah. Right. So go yeah. ahead. So I'm just going on strictly the numbers and championships. So I, that's yeah. what I do. A-Rod, Clemens, Manny. And I would start Clemens. I would bench A-Rod. And I would cut Manny. A-Rod was a really dominant position player. But, man, Roger Clemens, every team that he was on, because he was the front, front line starter, was yeah. good. You know what's really crazy? Have you seen the the thirty for thirty on the uh, the eighty six Mets yet? Yeah, it, it's really well done, um, and it's just crazy to think that Roger Clemens was on that Boston Red Sox yeah. team of eighty six, and then you start looking at some of the Yankees teams in the early two thousands, and he's still a front line guy in the yeah. postseason. So, to your point, I'm kind of with you that for a decade and a half, almost two decades, you're talking about a number one starter potentially um, for any postseason game, game seven, game one, didn't matter. You had Rocket on the mound, felt pretty good about your chances. Yeah. And A-Rod had some really, remember for a while, he had really bad postseasons. Joe Torre even moved Forever. him down yeah. in the lineup at one point. And, uh, and it was like 2009, he'd finally got the, the monkey off his back and, and winning with the, uh, the Yankees. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. Maybe Clemens should go at the top. All right, here's my... Hold on, let me just do one thing for you because I, I, it just struck me here and I wanted to check the numbers. But let's check the postseason performance of Roger Clemens. A lot of games, by the way. Uh, for his career... 12 and 8 with a 3.75. Actually, better than I thought. How so many starts did he have? He had in his uh, postseason starting career 34 wow. starts. 
34. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's incredible. So that's the the Red Sox. You're talking the Houston Astros. He had that famous Game 7 start against the Cardinals. Scott Rowland hit that home run. Mm -hmm. You're you're talking about what he did again in postseason with the Astros, then goes to the Yankees and has a run with them. Yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah. All right, uh, back to football for a moment. Start, bench, cut. This is weird. You're doing baseball, me doing football, but whatever. Okay, so take out Patrick Mahomes out of the equation of this and the young AFC quarterbacks that you have available outside of Patrick Mahomes. And maybe Mahomes wouldn't even make your list, but I'm starting, benching, and cutting. Starting Josh Allen. I'm benching Joe Burrow, which pains me. He's going to the uh, Super Bowl, and I cut, uh, cut Justin Herbert, Ooh. and uh, it, that's tough to do too because who knows what happens with him when he gets a few more weapons around him. He almost willed his team into the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. So, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert for me. One, All two, right. three. Daniel, I uh, was talking to Dan Deardorff last week, and he said if he name were going dropper. to start a franchise, a name dropper. Randy. Well. Dan knows a lot more football than me. Okay. So I'm going to I'm going to steal his line. No problem. And if I'm going to start a franchise, even though Joe Burrow happens to be in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Maybe Joe Burrow being in the Super Bowl. Well, no, I'm this is how difficult this is. Did you talk to Dan before the last two uh, starts by Joe Burrow, though? Uh, it was after one of them. Okay, because this could change his opinion and your opinion, too. So I'm actually going to start Josh Allen because I think Josh Allen has, because of his ability to run, he can affect the game in more ways than Burrow can. I have to bench Burrow. By the way, that's Michelle's boy. She wanted to be here today to gloat about picking the Bengals. She did. She She did on Friday, yeah. And it's unbelievable how you can cut Justin Herbert, but we just did. Yeah. That'd be so, tough to do. Yeah, so I'm just like you. All right, your tech 65780. Matthew Rocchio is here. What do you got for us, Matt? Start one, bench one, cut one. Stan Kroenke, Jerry Jones, Roger Goodell. Okay, this is... Uh... I, well, Kroenke is... So which one's the worst? Whatever the worst part is of start, yeah. bench, Cutting. cut. Yeah, well, he's he's at the bottom. Okay. Then, then I'd put uh, the least of my public enemies would be uh, Jerry Jones, and then Goodell would be in the middle. Hmm. But Kroenke's got to he got to go. Okay, I am actually going to, uh, in terms of badness, yeah, the whole thing was initiated by Jerry Jones. I don't think Stan Kroenke gets it in his mind. Wow, to you're going to go ahead with Jerry Jones over Kroenke? Okay, so in terms of, let's put it this way. <laughs> in terms of uh, wishing a guy wasn't here, tomorrow morning at this time. Now, I'm not going that far. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm not saying anything. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying something. There you go. It's You're a going hypothetical down situation. He's putting you in the thought process. No, he's. you haven't been around enough down here, okay. Matt, because he's going down this death road. He's no, got this job. thing. I'm the, not, I'm the don't get fired person on the show. No, okay. you're good, but he's he's got a little death thing going. Okay. <laughs> so in terms of uh, people I'm going to keep around, I, I, I'm going to start Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell is staying around. Okay, I have to be real here. Okay, I, I am, I, I am going to bench Jerry Jones, and I, I and I feel bad for his family because he's not going to be here tomorrow morning. But I'm, uh, I'm cutting Stan Kroenke. Okay, so uh, I, I think Roger Goodell. <laughs> not that he's not evil, but of the three, he's the least evil. Jerry Jones is probably the he's most. He's just carrying evil. out the wishes of those that are evil, is what you're I, saying. Yes, I didn't Dr. think this was going to turn to the trolley yeah. problem. But the guy who uh, <laughs> is the worst is Enos. I yeah, and uh, by the way, there were many uh, many people that watched the 
presentation of the trophy I, last I watched night. It, I did yeah. not. Did uh, Terry Bradshaw really call him cranky? He, I think he did. I yeah, like that. He, he was kind of like in between whether to hand him. I bet somebody was in his ear, and maybe mm-hmm. he was getting you know sidetracked. And in sometimes that happens when somebody's in your ear, like hand hand cranky the the he, okay here cranky cranky, and then here's uh, let's bring up Sean McVay and here's this trophy and then we move on. Danny, I got a fun one for you. Yes, sir. And I, I don't know if I texted you this last night or not. We were going back and forth last uh, night. But here, uh, so I'm texting. With a fr- uh, an NFL executive friend, okay? Uh, All right. <laughs> this is unbelievable, but it's true. Uh, okay, a text from uh, uh, an NFL front office executive who texted me, quote, I talked to an L.A. exec a couple of days ago, and she told me Demoff was going through their ticket requests and checking against their Twitter accounts. If there was any idea they'd be rooting for the Niners, he denied the request and put them on a do-not-fulfill list. So the president of a franchise is going through Twitter accounts of people that have applied for tickets to the NFC Championship game and deciding whether or not they should be able to come to the games. You believe that? Yes, I do. He's had to have more important things to do than you, do that. This is this, getting ready for the NFC Championship. This, this is Kevin Demoff, man. I'm no. This does not surprise me one iota. All right, let's Goodness. get one more. In there. Start one, bench one, cut wow. one. Ways to watch the Super Bowl: home, house party, or at a bar with friends. Depends on the Super Bowl, first of all. But in general, if the Rams aren't in it, and I have a modicum of caring, home is where the heart is. I agree with that. I, uh, I like watching so, it at home, so, actually. So we've got home, house party, or bar? Yep. Let me home, take it even further. Than, uh, what about having the house party at my house so I'm not going to somebody else's house? Then I can stay in the comforts of my own home. The only problem is then I got to clean up after everybody well, leaves. Here's the other thing, Dan. And so this is different for us because it's our job. I like to be able to pay attention to the game. I, I'm with you on that one. I, I, I do pay yeah. attention to the game. I, I'm a pretty social guy. So, like yesterday, when I'm at the at the Helen Fitzgerald's, by the way, great job by the 101 ESPN staff with our championship bash. But I'm talking to people, and I can't pay attention to every play. And that's the same thing if I'm having a house party. Right. So I am actually going to start watching at home with just my family there. I'm going to bench the uh, house party, and I'm going to cut the the bar or the, the, the party at the restaurant. Will you be watching this year's Super Bowl? I'm not sure yet. Yeah. This this could be tough on you. Yeah. I can tell you a couple of years ago when the Patriots and Rams were in it, I drove my daughter back to school up to Peoria, to Bradley. Did you listen on the radio? I did not listen on the radio. Katie was kind of getting notifications uh-huh. as we were going back. Actually, uh, the uh, Game 6 of the 2011 World Series would be, was being aired at the same time on another station, and I listened to that. There you go. And that was awesome. Yeah, uh, I'll watch. Um, you know, I, I just, when the NFL left St. Louis, my fandom went with it. Yeah, passion, no passion. Right. I'm with you. I Even this morning, as much as I am despondent about the fact that the Rams won the game, because my f- favorite team is whoever the Rams are playing, it doesn't ruin my day. I, I wish the Niners would have won, but the fact that the Rams are playing in the Super Bowl it doesn't ruin my day. No. So I'm, I'm I'm with you. I just I I have difficulty garnering any real passion. My passion now is I I would just like to see a CBA in baseball. Yeah, That's no, my I'm with passion. you. I'm with you. <laughs>
Thank you, man. We you, got two weeks ready? to figure this thing out. <laughs> yeah. Yes, please, right. CBA. Yeah. Please, dear yep. something. That is start yeah. one. Bench one, cut one on 101 ESPN. Coming up, four downs from yesterday in the NFL with Dan and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time now for four downs on the character and small with Danny Mack in for Michelle. And Danny, we love to play the game blame game in sports these days, right? Lose the yes. game and it has to be an individual's fault. Well, today in Kansas City, that target is being aimed squarely at Patrick Mahomes. After last season's Super Bowl, he was gifted a brand new quality offensive line and got a surprise toy in Jarek McKinnon too and things went well for a long time until the second half yesterday after guiding the Chiefs to a 21-10 lead at the half and going 18 for 20 for 220 yards and three scores he fell apart something happened after halftime Bengals adjustments Chiefs comfort whatever it was something happened Mahomes just 8 of 18 for 55 yards no touchdowns and two interceptions in the second half and overtime including the crunching interception that set up Cincinnati's winning score it's not fair it is a team sport but when you have the half billion dollar contract the result is going to fall on you and this morning the loss falls on Mahomes in Kansas City I think it does and it doesn't because the Bengals defense was awfully good good. Patrick Mahomes mentioned this earlier, second down now, that uh, when they... Hold on, hold on. Hold oh. On. We, we got to have the guy with the deep voice say... Oh. There you go. Thank you. Uh, when the Chiefs and Mahomes were leading by 15 points or more, again, telling stat, 37-0. and 37-0 and when leading by 15 or more prior to yesterday. So I'm going to go back to right before the first half. They have a chance to at least get three more points on the board. Could have made it 24-10. They didn't do it. Fell short of the goal line. Went into half 21-10. Andy Reid, head coach of the Chiefs. Yeah, so I was I, you know, I was hoping we could get get the ball in the end zone. I probably gave him the wrong play first of all. So uh, to start with, I could have given him something better than that um, where the play was open in the end zone and um, and then we wouldn't have to go through that. But it's a uh, I'll take responsibility for that one out. Game of adjustments. More on that on fourth down. The next five uh, possessions for the Chiefs. They went punt, punt, interception, punt, punt. As Randy mentioned, only 55 yards for Patrick Mahomes in the second half. And Dan, I'm continually amazed that NFL teams will, on third down, not throw the ball past the sticks, or in this situation, not throw the ball into the end zone. Because if you throw the ball into the end zone, you're either going to have an incomplete pass right. at worst, or at best, you're going to get a touchdown. How you can, th- a veteran quarterback can throw the ball into the field of play with a defender right there is beyond me. I just can't figure out how a guy like Mahomes, in that situation, just can't throw it into the ground. The other part of it is, though, too, from the coaching perspective of this, I'm already up. Now I'm getting greedy. Mm-hmm. That's okay, and I understand that, but I got to take the points. I, I got three points I right. get on the board. Yeah. I'm, I'm going into halftime, and I'm, I'm putting more points on the board. I'm making it tougher for the opposition. I don't care if it's the seven or the three, but I got to get the points. No doubt. I'm up. Right. So have the momentum going into halftime, adding a score. I take the points. Don't take the chance. But And you're right, 100%. You've got to have the mindset, and you and this has been embedded in all these players. Take it to the end zone because if he, he drops it, intercept, uh, if it's incomplete, 
clock stops and we can still get the points. Right. So I, I don't understand that. Yeah, that's the that's the only play. And I don't that was a third down play, right? That was, or was that a fourth down play? I don't even remember. But it, either way, you can't throw the ball in the field of play. Yeah. No, because it, yeah, they they were upset because they could have stopped the clock. Right. It was it was a third down play. Right. So a huge mistake by the, the Chiefs. And if again, if that was Andy Reid's play, Andy Reid's got to be telling Mahomes into his headset, "Hey, this ball has to be into the end zone." And don't you think though that he knows that? He, I mean, he, he everybody obviously that. knows that. Yeah. And I just think that you got greedy with it and thought they could get the uh, the touchdown, but. I go back to the bigger picture of this. Take the points, go into halftime, you're up, regroup. Dan, the 49ers literally had the game in their hands mm. against the Rams. L.A. first and 10 from their own 15 with 9.50 left in the game with Matthew Stafford, who'll throw a reckless pass now and then, threw a reckless pass down the middle. No Rams in sight. There was one 49er, Jaquiski Tart, who had it fall through his hands and harmlessly to the SoFi Stadium turf. The Rams would subsequently drive to the game-tying field goal and, obviously, ultimately win the game. Afterward, to his credit, Tart tweeted, no excuses. I deserve all the criticism my way. Opportunity I dream of, and I came up short. Mm. Let my brothers down. It still won't define me as a person or a player. Only will get stronger and better. Hashtag believe that. And again, we go back to how many opportunities do you get? They played in the Super Bowl two years ago, had a chance to be in it this year. And if you're going to pick out one play from that game of the 140 plays, that would be the one to me that swung things in favor of the Rams. We were talking uh, during the commercial break, and I know it's cliche to say this, but man, how hard it is to win. I, I used to do games with Gary Link, you know, mm-hmm. the, the former Mizzou uh, player and then analyst. And he would always say to me, he goes, brother, it's just hard to win. It's just really yep. hard to win. It's hard to win games. And he'd always say yep, that. It is. And I'd say, well, Gary, I mean, you got this game. He goes, I'm telling you, it's not easy. It's hard to win. And we just started going down during the break of all these QBs that have only won one mm-hmm. or in some cases haven't won at all like dan marino never won a super bowl yep. mahomes has got one he's been there but he lost to brady last year does make what tom brady has done incredible roethlisberger won a couple but you know peyton manning you thought well this guy's gonna win a ton mm-hmm. didn't took elway forever to get his it's hard to win and Philip mahomes Rivers never won it, that's right and and mahomes you know they were talking dynasty here now, he's been to a couple. He's won one. He's been to these AFC championships. He's gone home in a couple. It's hard to win. It's just hard to win. And it, especially now with Drew the salary Brees. cap, because eventually that that half-billion-dollar contract is going to catch up with you, and you aren't going to be able to keep everybody. That's right. And like we talked about earlier, the 49ers have their top defensive and top offensive player that they have to re-sign going into next season. Going back to the Bengals, uh, they... I want to give them a ton of defense, and I know so many people are going to talk about Mahomes and only 55 yards in the second half, but at what point do we start to say, you know what, let's give credit to the scheme, let's give credit to the defense of the Bengals and what they were able to do. They dropped eight, sometimes eight or more, and that scheme was able to nullify what he was trying to do in the second half of that game yesterday. So looking at that, they did that in coverage 35% of the pass plays. In, and certainly in the second half, it was better in that second half than it was in the first. And by doing that, that's the adjustment they made. So let's give the defense here, Randy, some credit. Before we say it's all on one player, I know that you were going after him on first down. 
I understand why. But I also want to say that maybe some of the credit needs to be given to the opposition, the scheme, and how they play defensively in that second half. And by the way, one of the prevailing storylines over the course of the next two weeks is going to be that Zach Taylor was a Sean McVay assistant. So Kyle Shanahan beats a former McVay assistant to get to the game against McVay. Their former co-workers... Shanahan and McVay that go against each other in the NFC Championship game and now another McVay associate Zach Taylor is coaching the Bengals and he has a really good staff there they've done a really good job and you're right they deserve more credit probably than they're getting today by the way the coaching in the uh, the second game with the Rams and the uh, 49ers did you did you see guys getting well first of all I thought McVay had some terrible challenges because terrible the, the timeouts were going to catch up with him and it was pointed out on the broadcast that he had only challenged like one time and lost to give him a lost timeout he did it twice on really questionable plays and when you have a tight game man you need those timeouts if we learned anything in the last couple of weekends is those timeouts are really valuable. Mm-hmm. You're playing against the clock sometimes. I thought that was weird. I also thought that uh, looking at how the 49ers were doing some of their things offensively, it just got a little skittish. I just didn't think the coaching in the second half was great. Not that I'm a coach, but it just watching how they got there in that first point uh, and, and the first half of the, of the game, it was different than what we saw in the second half. And, Dan, to that point, when you look at San Francisco – Debo Samuel only had 11 touches. And that guy is a beast, by the way. Yeah. Holy smokes. He, he, and I I understand that he got hit and hurt, but. Do you think that was a clean hit over the middle? As it turns out, yes. I did too. But I thought the game got chippier. Uh, I thought that Cup took some hits and Beckham took some hits after that hit. Kind of hockey chippiness that, that came into play. But I've got to get the ball in that game into the hands of Debo Samuel 18 to 20 times. No question. And he was in the first half, in my opinion, the difference maker. I mean, they could put him at running back. They could put him in the slot. They put him at wide receiver. Mm -hmm. And he's a beast. He's big, he's strong, and he's quick. So I'm with you, Randy. I I think you got to find him more than what they did. And by the way, George Kittle, only two catches. You're missing, if you're the Rams and you're missing your your top safety, and Eric Weddle, who hasn't played in two years, is covering the middle of the field for you. Led them in tackles for a while. Right. You need to get the ball into the hands of George Kittle more than just two times. That's Dan. I'm Randy. And that is Four Downs on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line. Take it or leave it is coming your way. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, Matt Rocchio. Michelle Smallman is on vacation for the next couple of weeks, so it'll be the Dan and Randy show. And we do welcome your text for Take It or Leave It. Dan, I'll get things started. The Lakers are 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Actually, they're 3-7, and seven, I'm sorry, in their last 10. They're 24-27, and 27, and they're only two and a half games ahead of the San Antonio Spurs for the final playoff spot in the Western Conference. So... With LeBron being hurt and the Lakers being bad, take it or leave it, there will be significant interest in the Los Angeles Rams during the next two weeks in L.A. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, 
Yeah, I think there will be. I think there will too. I mean, how do you not? You get the Super Bowl in your in your your town and your hometown team, I guess, is playing in it. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be significant interest, and you're in a town with stars and celebrities, so that'll come out. You, you you'll hear a lot about that, especially in week two of the two weeks leading up to it. Yeah, I, I think there'll be significant build up to it. If there were, if the Lakers were good, if they were in the top three in the West, I don't know if it would matter. I, I don't know. I, I think this is a separate issue. I think, though, in terms of interest there, they like talking about LeBron and the Lakers. Yeah. And sure, if the Rams are in the Super Bowl, maybe for these two weeks there will be substantial interest. But the, everything has worked out perfectly for the Rams in this scenario. It, it has, but I, I'm with you. I think there will be a lot of build up to it. As you well know, the league kind of takes over everything anyway. Um, and how the fan base is, is going to react to that. I, I think the interesting thing, again, will be – and I don't know if you agree with this, is how many tickets will be taken by uh, secondary yeah. market and then sold to non-Ram fans, yeah. you it'll, know, it'll those that, that, that are following the Bengals and they haven't been there forever. There's obviously a hunger and an excitement around that team. Uh, it would it seem to be much more than what they have with the L.A. Rams. So I think, again, that's kind of a sidebar going into this championship is what kind of fan base will be there at the uh, at the Super Bowl. And I don't know if LA people now will become Rams fans, people that might have been Niners or Raiders fans in the past. I can tell you this, Dan, I've been to a Super Bowl in Pasadena and it, it was the Giants and the Broncos and I was there for the whole week and the presence of the game in LA didn't cause a ripple. It was just like another day in LA. It was yeah. unbelievable. I've been there a lot, obviously, when, when the Cardinals go out there and, and play the Dodgers. I wish they played two times there, and I wish yeah. the Dodgers came two times here. That's a separate issue. But, um, yeah, I, there's just so much going on when you go out there. There's other things to right. do. Yeah. And, you know, I've always said this is, you know, we don't have the beaches. We don't have the mountains. We don't have the ocean. But, you know, what we have, and we have it really, really good here, and we do it well as sports. Yep. And our people support it. And so there's other things to do. And, yeah, it'll, it'll be a bump in, and I'm sure, in interest level. But to the level that it is for, say, teams in the middle of America, not even no. close. Or a Super Bowl in New Orleans, which right. takes over the city. That's right. No, I agree with that. Totally. Oh, take it or leave it. All right, take it or leave it. The uh, 11 days off for the St. Louis Blues. It's 11 days. I think it's good for the team. Even though they were playing really well going into the break, uh, outside of what we saw on Saturday in that 1 o'clock game against Winnipeg. I actually think it's a good thing. I'll take that. And there are some guys that are banged up. Perron's banged up. Shen is banged up a little bit. I think the the mental rest for Jordan Bennington That's will what be I a think. benefit. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take that, that these 11 days are a really good thing for the Blues. I don't. If, if this would have happened in 2019, you would have hated the fact that in the midst of an 11-game winning yes. streak, they would have had to take a break. Now, I'm not bothered by this at all. And you think about it, too, when they had all the guys getting COVID and then they had uh, just a rash of injuries and then all these kids that came up from Springfield and played well, when they finally got back healthy and you saw Perron come back, you saw Shen come back, they really were, you were reminded, this is a really good team. This is a really mm -hmm. deep team. And to their credit, they they weathered that storm and played great hockey and, and built up a, a nest egg of points. But... 
uh, you're reminded of just how good this team is when healthy. So that's yeah. why I think if you can get them 100% and get guys healed, let them get going uh, for that stretch run, it, which will begin, I believe, on February 10th when they come back uh, at home against New Jersey. I think it's a good thing. Let's get some text. 65780. Matt Rocchio, what do you got for us? Take it or leave it. MLB should request ballparks, move the outfield, change the outfield wall dimensions to make it create more triples and inside the park home runs, which would then create more excitement in baseball. I will take that. But you know what that causes? Fewer seats. That's right. We can't have fewer seats, Randy. we gotta, we got to have the most seats we can. Um, well, right here in St. Louis, a good example is that this is a very tough ballpark to hit home runs in. Very tough. It's one of the toughest in baseball. They've already done some studies about whether or not they should bring the walls in because it is a game right now in 2022 going into the season of power and home runs. I happen to love the double. I happen to love the triple. And we got a couple of guys on this team, if not not a couple, we got three or four that are, when the ball's hitting the gap, there there are at least two, maybe three. You just don't see a lot of triples. I'm not sure you would see a big jump in that, but uh, teams are, are not going to do that you, because of the number one reason you just mentioned. You give me longer distances and AstroTurf, and I'll take it in a blink. Mid-80s was a lot of fun <laughs> seeing those triples, wasn't it? Willie kind of leaning awesome. around second as yeah. he's making that turn, and Ozzy and Tommy Herr and those guys. That was fun to watch. By the way, I was at the uh, the Vincent Van Gogh exhibit. I was telling Patrick that Vince Coleman's nickname was Vincent Van Gogh yep. with G-O rather than G-O-G-H. I don't think I've ever heard that. That's really that was good. one of the great nicknames How of all time. I've never heard that that nickname for him. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Uh, like speaking that. of those those Cardinals uh, hitters, take it or leave it. The Cardinals have four thirty home run guys in twenty twenty two, assuming a one sixty two game season. Of course. Oh, of course. Okay, so Arenado, Goldie, and uh, O'Neill are clearly three. Who yeah, I'm would, trying to think of who you, your fourth was, unless it's DeYoung. Carlson? Could he get to thirty? I it? think eventually he's going to be a twenty five to thirty home run guy. I really do. Yeah. And I could be wrong about that. I don't think that we give him, and I've said this a lot, enough credit how good this guy is going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, give him a couple more years yeah, under his belt. He's going to be a stud. Yeah. Um, they have hitched their wagon to DeYoung, who's done it before. He's been a 30-home run guy. Yeah. That, that would mean he's have to, he would have to stay healthy, win the job outright, which I think he'll get that chance to do coming out of spring training and then play every day. Yep. That being said, I'm going to leave it. I, I, I think I'm going to leave it, too. One last one, take it or leave it. A Bengals player does the icky shuffle in the Super Bowl. Ooh, that's good. I'll I take really that. hope so. Take that. Get my cold cuts. Take it or leave it. A Rams player does the bob and weep. I'm going to leave that. What if Torrey Holt gets elected to the Hall of Fame? I still am going to leave it. I don't want to see the kind of person I am in the, in the in the 10 seconds after that happens. What do we find out about the Hall of Fame, Randall? Thursday. It'll be the Thursday before the Super Bowl. Okay. So we'll try to get Torrey and DV on next week. Yeah. So we could have a Ram. I, you know what? May have a Rams flavor. Maybe yeah. a St. Louis Rams flavor for the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I remember being worried about that when they played the Patriots a few years ago. But that had not even entered my mind in this new, in this second iteration. And now that's going to bother me until game time. <laughs> What's that, Randy? That? The, the, What's going to bother you? The potential that a Rams player might do the Bob and Weaver well, in the Super Bowl. And oh. a whole taught cup how to do it. So they they know about it. So it could happen. Could. Just saying. I'd say more icky shuffle, though, than Please. somebody was trying to do the icky, the icky shuffle, shuffle yesterday. Kind of a, a abbreviated a version of it. Yeah, I like icky. I, yeah. I hope that happens. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Matthew. Matthew's Thanks, doing the uh, icky shuffle right now. It's a great touchdown dance. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, Dan was asking about it. How can these 11 days off benefit the Blues, and what are they looking at for the second half? That's next on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The St. Louis Blues hit an 11-day break here. This was supposed to be the break for the Olympics, but rather than taking three weeks off, the Blues will get 11 days off. And some of the games, Dan, that the Blues were not able to play because of COVID situations in Ontario, they'll be able to play those and kind of have a normal month. After these 11 days off, they have a two-game week, a three-game week, and another two-game week. So a lot of opportunity for the squad to practice as they ease into the second half. You ease into it, but yet it's not going to be easy. I think one thing that we've learned about with the Blues is that Enterprise has been home ice advantage. Enterprise Center, they play well, you know, outside of what we saw on Saturday. They are very very good home team and looking ahead at the schedule Randy they've got uh, 10 of the next 12 games are against Eastern Conference teams eight of the next 11 games are on the road so that's something to keep in mind as they begin uh, their stretch run here in, in early February there's only four games starting February 10th at Enterprise Center going to basically March 10th. So only going to play four times in, in basically a month at home. I think one of the big stories that you got to figure out is Jordan Bennington and Billy mm-hmm. Huso. Um, you know, right now, Jordan Bennington has made 23 starts in 16 of the 23 starts. He's allowed three or more goals. So, uh, you know, we were talking about before, you know, take it or leave it is the break a good thing. I think maybe number one on that list is Jordan Bennington. Get away from it mm-hmm. kind of regroup mentally, physically, all those things. It's probably a good thing to get away from it for a little bit. It's a reset, and goalies need that sometimes, and and maybe this is the right time to do it. And he hasn't performed well anywhere. You go back a few years ago where Jake Allen was sensational on the road and just couldn't perform at Enterprise Center. Bennington has not been great of late anywhere. And you mentioned the few road games the Blues have. Blues dominant at home, 17-5-2, but only 9-8-3 on the road. So they need to do better there. And, oh, by the way, as they hit this break, and other teams will be playing during this break, but the Blues are the number one wild card team right now. In their division, Colorado has the lead. And, by the way, they've... They Piled figured up it a out. Ten point lead over yeah. the Blues now, and the Blues have played forty four games. Colorado's played forty three. Nashville has played one more game than the Blues. They have fifty eight points. The Blues have fifty seven. And now Minnesota, with four games in hand on the Blues, has the same amount of points at fifty seven. Even though the Blues are the number one wild card, they do have a nine point advantage over Calgary and Dallas, who are are tied now for the second wild card. So. Everything that has happened, Vladimir Tarasenko, how do you feel about the Blues' first half? Yeah, we have a lot of players miss a lot of games with injuries, with COVID. It's been a weird first half, but uh, yeah, I think we're in the top three in the division. We have uh, pretty good teams in our division, and uh, I think uh, really satisfied with where we are. But uh, I said it before, it's game. Like, we can play better. So we need to use this, this break as a... Ability to, you know, come well rested. Um, definitely will miss hockey and uh, I'm ready because we have a lot of games coming, especially in the last couple of months. So uh, it will be fun. Some teams have been negatively affected, Dan, by COVID and injuries, but there are teams that have had it as bad or nearly as bad as the Blues, Colorado being one of them, by the way, that 
have been able to play as well as or better than the Blues despite the issues that they've had with missing players. By the way, in the NFL, we're not hearing anything about COVID, are we? No, now that the not testing at all. stopped and the testing apparently will essentially stop with the NHL. Now, if you have symptoms, you're told to report them, obviously, and then get tested and then be removed if you're positive. But that's going to change in the NHL game as well. So you're going to see full lineups more times than not. You're not going to see the cancellations. You're going to get through the season. Knock on wood, bar on disaster. You're going to get through all this. And before you know it, Randy, it's going to be March 21st. And March 21st is the uh, trade deadline of the National Hockey League. I, I really like this Blues team um, it, when they're fully healthy. And and Perron, by the way, David Perron was on our show uh, Friday, and he said— I was listening. Yeah, he was great, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And, and he talked about how COVID did have an adverse effect for him, where it did take a time—you know, just took him a little time to, like— strength back just getting feeling good feeling right and and you you've seen this in sports where some players say man it just takes me a while it takes me a while to get my legs back takes me a while to get uh feeling right and so obviously he wasn't quite feeling right maybe strength was an issue but the blues found a way to get through that now with these 11 days off you're going to get plenty of time to rest and again i go back to where is this blues team Goaltending situation, is it a situation where one guy just takes it and runs with it? Or do you have a tandem that you're going to figure out as you go throughout this? I'm sure Craig Bennington and his staff right now are kind of penciling in and saying, hey, this might be a good fit here. He's played well against this guy or this team. This is something we need to look at. Here's a back-to-back. Okay, we split him up here. Mm-hmm. What do we do coming immediately out of the break? Those are all things that they're trying to figure out right now. Um I still think, though, when you look back at like the when the Blues won the Cup, if you look at their defense, their defense was big and physical, mm-hmm. and I, I still think that they might be just a tad bit short on the on the back end, and that might be something that they're looking at before this thing is all said and done. The All Star Game is Saturday night, and Jordan the, the Blues will resume practice. Craig Berube, how do you feel about your club after the All Star break? Yeah, I mean, I think we're in a good spot. I think the first half's been very good. Um, but going into the second half, we're gonna, we gotta, we can, we can work on some things and get better and we will. And, um, again, we gotta have a good push here. Like we, you, you know, you look at the standings, that's all you gotta do, uh, for motivation is look at the standings, how tight it is. So we gotta, we get a break here, get rested up. And then when we come back, we get, you know, it's going to be a lot of hockey played and, um, you know, we're going to have to really make some hay. You know, what was frustrating by the way, on the game on Saturday, was you jump out to that lead, Tarasenko gets the goal, and you think, okay, mm-hmm. here we go. And and Winnipeg came in on a six-game skid. So that's a game that you think, let's let's win this game. Right. Now, I've been around a lot of teams where teams look ahead. The player, I, I think it's human nature, and I can tell you as a broadcaster, when we get close to the All-Star break, mm-hmm. we're like, man, just get this thing over so we can go home or wherever we're going right. to go and get a few days off. Maybe that happened with the Blues. Uh, but what was disappointing, they had two two-on-ones in that second period. Right, and, and couldn't convert. Yeah, and didn't get a shot. And when that happens, you're like, hmm, something's not quite right. It, they were just a tick off after that goal with Tarasenko. Definitely. Braden Shen dealt with a lot of injuries in the first half of the season. How's he feel heading into the second half? Our, like I said before, uh, our division's good. Um, at the same time, we have a deep team. And um, I think if you look at the first half of the season, um, we've had injuries and we've had a lot of COVID, uh, as has everyone else in the league. And we found a way to um, you know, put ourselves in, in the top three in our division as of right now. And, and uh, like I said, um, 
you know, it's, it's never easy. Uh, there's a lot of good teams in our division, and uh, we're going to use uh, these 10, 12 days to heal up, uh, freshen up, and, and come back uh, ready for a strong second half and a push And because we feel like we have the team to do it. I don't think there's any doubt that they, they do have the team to do it. Dan, I'm, I'm with you. I would like to see another big, rugged defenseman back there, a, a third-pairing guy. Because, hey, your, your top two pairings, Mikola has established himself with Pareko. And he had an awful have, game against Calgary, but to their credit, right. they put him back out there and was great. Yeah, and, and Krug and Falk are going to play. Yeah. So then you, you just kind of mix and match that third group, and maybe you do move a guy, or you, you save a guy like Perunovic. He's not getting many opportunities here at the moment. Uh, then you have Bortuzzo, and you, you can mix and match pretty well with that last pairing. But I would, I'm with you. I would like to have a more rugged presence back there on that third pair. And think about up front where you're at. You've been able to move Shen to the middle. You can put him on the wing. David Perron has gone to the third line at times. I mean, those are really good players. Yeah. You're talking about guys that would be top-line players on a lot of teams. So the depth up front is really good. I mean, they're rolling out four lines that are pretty darn good. But I'd like to see just a little bit more of that, I don't know, the rusty nail that you want in the back end. Somebody that's going to just, you know, you get in the playoffs, you know what it's like, Randy. You've seen it. I mean, you've got to have that size. You've got to have that rugged nature in the back end. It would help. I think it would it'd be beneficial for this team. And by the way, one thing the Blues need to get going because they have their health is getting the solid four check and having those four lines come at the opposition yeah. in waves and keeping the puck in the offensive zone. That's the biggest part of defense for this yeah. team is getting in on the four check. And that's what they did when they won the cup. Yep. I mean, you were rolling out four really good lines, and I, I'm seeing a trend of that with this team, especially when healthy. Again, when you got Shen, Perron, some of these other guys not getting the minutes that maybe they'd be accustomed to with other teams, yep. That tells you you're you're pretty darn deep. How many minutes would Ivan Barbashev get oh, with somebody else? What kind of year he's had? Yeah. He's been great. He's fantastic. That's Dan. I'm Randy, and that's today's uh, big thing here on 101 ESPN. And actually, that was our... Uh that's our fresh take here on 101 okay. ESPN. Talking fresh Blues. take it. Yeah, it's it's 816. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. How big of a loss is it for the NFL that Tom Brady is retiring? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. On 101 ESPN, and we got the word from Jeff Darlington of ESPN on Saturday that Tom Brady has made the decision to retire. Everybody surrounding Tom Brady, his dad, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when contacted, said, "No, we we've been told that he hasn't made the decision yet. <laughs> nobody nobody has said he's not retiring. All we've gotten is he hasn't made the decision yet. And obviously." Tom Brady is a league guy, even though he did get suspended by Roger Goodell. He is a league guy, and he understands the protocols of the NFL that you don't interfere with championship games in the Super Bowl. But, Dan, I think it's pretty safe to say that Tom Brady is going to retire. And this is the biggest name in the league and the biggest draw in the league. And the league is a monster. They aren't going to be stopped. But just in terms of having a face of the league, that being removed is a big deal. It is a big deal. By the way, I think there's a reason as to why maybe you won't hear about Tom Brady retiring, uh, let's say, in the next few days. He stands to lose 15 of his $20 million signing bonus True. before February 4th. So 
post February fourth, post Super Bowl, yes, then uh, then all of a sudden Tom Brady becomes an ex NFL player. I would imagine he signs a one day contract with the Patriots. Don't you think? He left there under pretty strained circumstances. That would be interesting because he has a good relationship. He's got to do with that. Kraft. He, it, that's a that's an owner thing. He's got to do that. He's but got the, to. But the Buccaneers were really good to him. I understand that, and I, but I think if if I ran the Buccaneers, I would understand, and I would say, hey, thanks for two great years and bringing a championship here. We appreciate it. We understand the significance of your career up east. So we will acquiesce, uh, not begrudgingly, but with a pat on the shoulder and say, job well done here. Mm-hmm. We understand it. And thanks for the memories. Now, we are not going to see the Rodgers rate or the Patrick Price in the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers apparently alienated a lot of people with his actions this year. Does Mahomes automatically step in as the face of the NFL? Does Joe Burrow have an opportunity to do that? Does Matthew Stafford have an opportunity to do that? Aaron Donald, who is the new face of the NFL if Tom Brady isn't there? What about Josh Allen? That would be another one. What about Justin Herbert in L.A.? Justin Herbert would be really interesting. I think that he's going to have to do more winning and I agree. I'm, you I'm talking win. about for the opener of the 2022 season. Oh, okay, so you, you got a video game. Who are you going to put on the yeah. cover? Patrick Mahomes. It's got to be. I think he still is. I oh, agree yeah, he's got to be. It's one half in which he threw 55 yards. It just happened to have come in the AFC Championship. It's been to, what, four straight AFC Championships, mm-hmm. two Super Bowls, 1-1. He's an electrifying player. He's must-see TV. He is the face of your yeah. – I think he's the face of the NFL right now. If there is a LeBron in the NFL, I agree with you. Now, I still think, Brady, when you look at endorsements, when you look at winning, when you look at visibility, and part of that is being around for 22 years, Brady's the guy. And it can't be Rodgers. He's too divisive right now. I agree with you. With what he's done off the field. Now, if some of that stuff had not happened and you're playing with a historic franchise like Green Bay mm-hmm. and putting up Hall of Fame numbers, which he's done, and continues to win at a high level with, at times, some part talent, then he's the guy. But because he is divisive, undoubtedly now, with what has happened in our world and where, where he stands on that, no way he could be that guy. No way. People won't support him. There's a lot of people that don't support him now. And I, I want to throw Aaron Donald out there. He's also got a lot of endorsements. L.A., number two market. Hey, let me ask you something here. Can a defensive player be the face of the league at this point? Or does it have to be a quarterback? I think it's got to be an offensive player. I think it has to be a quarterback. I agree. Let me think about that for a second. Um, LT back in the day could have been a face of... Yeah, but that wasn't as much a quarterback-driven league. That's true. That is true. I have not seen, uh, like, the State Farm commercials with Aaron Rodgers. Have you? Have they been pulled? I I have not I seen those about in the that. last few weeks. Yeah, I haven't seen much of uh, Baker Mayfield on the progressives either. By the way, that's true too. <laughs> you didn't bring him up as a face of the uh, league. No, I don't think he will be. I don't. I, I I think he's been passed up in that division by Burrow. I think Burrow now. I think the Bengals and Burrow own, with all due respect to Lamar. I think the Bengals and Burrow own that division. Three one four says, "What about Derrick Henry?" But he was hurt for mm-hmm. a good portion of this season. So I would say no. Uh, good point here on 314. Palomalu was the face of the NFL. I don't know about the face, but he did have, like, the, the crazy hair. That's, and, the, that's why. You, you know, you got to have almost like a... Some flair. A niche 
yeah. to to bring you and and you're noticeable. I mean, he was noticeable on the field. Yep. I mean, he was coming up from his his spot defensively and trucking guys, and his hair was coming through his helmet. And know. for one of the franchises <laughs> with a, a legendary fan base, so it, it could be a cowboy. It could be Dak Prescott because of that's the, the one I was the thinking fan of. Base. Yep. But, but you got to win. Yeah. It, it, but if it's going to be a defensive player or a wide receiver or running back, it's going to have to be somebody with an aspect of them, like Palomalo's hair, that sets them apart. J.J. Watt? He was. Michael he, Strahan? He was. Yeah. They're another good call. Yeah. So maybe Aaron Donald could be that guy. Could be, uh, especially if they win in two weeks. But I, I think, generally speaking, you're talking about the QB. Because the QB is always... Like, how many times have you seen, if you're watching, even if you just follow social media, that you're seeing a lot of Aaron Donald yep. on post-game interviews and things of that nature? It's the game ends. Uh, Joe Burrow has a huge day. Well, who are you going to go get? Mm-hmm. You're going to go get Joe Burrow. Well, and, Dan, here's the most remarkable aspect of this, is that on Super Bowl Sunday, when we're watching commercials, the most we'll see of a player are going to be of a player that hasn't played in six years, that just went to the Hall of Fame in Peyton Manning. Yeah. He was on Saturday Night Live yeah. this past weekend. He's still the face of the league. <laughs> He's hilarious. He's great, isn't he? He was awesome on that one. It was it Matt, was really funny. He was hilarious yeah. on that. I mean, and, and you combine that with his other, you know, with the, the United Way one he did. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, where he's hitting the kids and, and cursing at them. Yeah. I mean, those are two of the best. Like, I mean, like per minute performances on SNL history. Peyton Manning's got him up there because yeah. he doesn't take himself too seriously, no. and that's the beauty of it. Where Brady has always been pretty scripted with majority of his stuff. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and that's because he was in New England. Think of what a different human being our buddy Chris Long was in that year in New England as opposed to the rest of his career. Right. You, When you walk through those doors, you're expected to conform. And Brady conformed for 20 years. Yeah. Well, he won a lot, too. Yeah. Maybe it works. Well, <laughs> it, 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 works, it works if he has Brady. Yeah. Well, the head coach is pretty darn good. The head coach's winning percentage without Tom Brady is not as good as Jeff Fisher's winning percentage without Tom Brady. However, the head coach was also a coordinator on some pretty good teams, too. Yeah, I don't he think was. people give him the credit for shutting down the K-Gun that he, he really deserved. No, I mean, it, that was a genius game plan that no one had in the NFL at the time. There are a lot of really good coordinators that aren't great head coaches. Dick LeBeau, one of the great coordinators in the history of the sport. And he was just a, a, an awful head coach. He, he couldn't pull it off. Some guys are capable of being really good coordinators, but not head coaches. What do you think? Uh, what do you think? The, in the Hall of Fame. What do you think mm-hmm. the the heat on Spags is this morning? Probably pretty substantial. Yeah. Although, as it turns out, Bro has done it to a lot of people now. So in winner take all games, going back to LSU, he's undefeated. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, he's <laughs> you know t- pretty telling bowl games, national yep. championships, Alabama. Uh, and now in the, the NFL for playoff games going to the Super Bowl, he's undefeated. Yeah. Pretty speaking, darn good. Speaking of undefeated, it seems as if uh, average Joe Listener was undefeated against Michelle on Friday, I heard. Yes, sir. So we've got a guy that's uh, trying to take pretty good. step two to the Hall of Fame. And he was, I think, uh, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, Lindawood grad? Yes, indeed, Lindenwood yeah, Grant. Lindenwood oh, Grant. Uh, I uh, emceed the Lindenwood Sports Hall of Fame induction on Saturday night. Congratulations to all those people that uh, were inducted into the Lindenwood Sports Hall of Fame. Awesome. Congratulations. So we will Any have... Any baseball people? Uh, no, it was all... Let's see, we had 
a lot of wrestling, a lot of gymnastics, lacrosse, uh, volleyball. I don't think we had any football or baseball this year. When I was there, the the wrestling team won the national championship, I believe. Yeah, wrestling really good at Lindenwood. Like Olympians and stuff. They're ridiculous. They've got 50 division or 50 NCAA sports. Yeah. A lot of, and they're all good. Yeah. Congratulations to them. Awesome. The, The fight is coming your way next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We say good morning, happy new week to Derek, who won on Friday against Michelle. Now he gets Randy today, also a Lindenwood grad. Hey, good morning, Derek. How are you? Derek will be with us here momentarily. Matt Rocchio is feverishly working the boards, and now we have it. Hello, Derek. Good morning, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, great weekend. Good football. Was good football. Really good football. Are you ready to take on Randy? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. There are only two QBs who have started and won in both a national championship and Super Bowl. Joe Namath and is it Joe Theismann, Joe Montana, or Peyton Manning? Uh, Peyton Manning. The most combined points scored in the National Hockey League for two brothers is held by Wayne and Brent Gretzky. How many points did Brent Gretzky tally in his career? Was it 11? Was it 8? Was it 4? Wow. Let's see. I'm just going to go 8. All right, number 3. Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round of the 2000 NFL draft, and six QBs were drafted before him. Who was the first QB selected in that draft? Tim Couch, Akili Smith, or Chad Pennington? I'm going to go Chad Pennington. All right, and number four, who hit the most home runs in Bush Memorial Stadium history? Ray Lankford, Jim Edmonds, or Ted Simmons? Uh, this is a second Bush, right? Uh, you know, the one that, yeah, yeah second one, the one that, that closed in uh, 05. Got it. Uh, can I get those one more time? Ray Lankford, Jim Edmonds, or Ted Simmons? Uh, Ray Lankford. All right. All right, we have our total. We'll wave in Randy. So, Derek, uh, I forgot. What year did you uh, graduate from Lindenwood? Um, I got my bachelor's in uh, 98, December of 98. 1998, the summer of 98. It was Sosa, McGuire, and Derek. It was. Uh-huh. It's awesome. <laughs> Randy, let's go. Put on the headset. It's time to go to work against a fellow work. of the... Lindenwood University Lions. It's a lion. Morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning, Randy. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Thank you, sir. Uh, You ready, Randy? I'm ready, Dan. There are only two QBs who have started and won in both a national championship and Super Bowl. Joe Namath and... Joe Namath did it. And the other one that did it was Joe Montana. Notre Dame and the 49ers. 
The most combined points scored in the National Hockey League for two brothers is held by Wayne and Brent Gretzky. Oh. How many points did Brent Gretzky tally in his career? Oh, this is a good one. Um, I will... I guess I better do the lifeline because this is pretty open-ended. Was it 11, 8, or 4? I'll go in the middle and I'll go with 8. All right. Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round of the 2000 NFL draft and six QBs were drafted before him. Who was the first QB selected in that draft? This was in the 2000 NFL draft. Yes, sir. Courtney Brown was the top pick. Um, you did have a first rounder. And I think I'll go with Chad Pennington. All right. And who hit the most home runs in Bush Stadium 2 history? Ray Langford. All right. Go ahead and ring it. Just win, baby. Three to two. If my calculations are correct, three to two, Matt. It was a good fight. There good. are only uh, two QBs who have started one, both in Nash Champ Super Bowl, Joe Namath and Joe Montana. Namath, I think, did it with the Alabama Crimson Tide. That's right. And then now, uh, one multiple with the Jets. guys have played oh, yeah. for college, like Ken Stabler was a guy, played right. for the college championship at Alabama, but he w- he played, he was on the team, but he didn't start the games. And Montana did it with the 49er and with the uh, Irish. Yes. Fighting Irish and the 49er. I went to my Canadian. Oh. The most combined points scored in the National Hockey League for two brothers is held by Wayne and Brent Gretzky. And Brent, a solid contribution to the Gretzky brothers with four points. Four? Oh, yes. yikes. But that's the combined... Uh, <laughs> Brothers tally that uh, was number one. Pretty good. Yeah. Wayne just had a few more. Go right ahead, Matt. Uh, Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round of the 2000 NFL draft, and six QBs were drafted before him. The first QB selected in that in that draft was, in fact, Chad Pennington. And we got a great story one time from Mark Bulger, who was also drafted ahead of him. But Brady Bulger, you know, we see all the pictures of Brady at the combine. Those two were together. They were combine really? mates. And so Bulger saw everything that happened in that combine. Really? Yeah. Um, I would assume you probably know all the uh, QBs that were drafted ahead of Brady, don't you? I I don't think I know them in order, but you had, I think Cleveland took two. Spurgeon Wynn was one of them. Obviously, Bulger, there was like Tim Couch. He was 99. Okay. Oh, Matt's going to look it up here. I just figured okay. you know that right off the top of your head because you know all that stuff. I was just double. Che- I was. I mean, I was just double checking his his math because I expected him to. Uh, so yeah, Spurgeon win. Uh, so let me see here. Chris Redman, T. Martin, Mark Bolger, Spurgeon win. Todd Husak, Jawan <laughs> Sider, Tim Rattay, Jarius Jim Jackson, Joe Hamilton, and oh yeah, he was the other one that was uh, taken ahead of him. Giovanni Carmazzi was a second oh, round yeah, pick so for the Niners. Yeah, the Niners took two in that draft with Rattay That's and right. Carmazzi. And they had Brady right there and wanted to go to San Francisco. Yeah, right. Wow. Pretty amazing. And then number four, who has hit the most home runs in Bush Stadium 2 history? That was, of course, Ray Langford with 123 in his career. All right. I like this. Uh, the 573 Randy says, when Randy says, thanks for listening, thanks for playing, does it sound like a lion saying, thanks for sticking your head in my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> Roar. Derek, thanks so much. Appreciate you fighting.
All right, no problem, guys. Thanks, Have a great day. Derek with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head across the state. Jeffrey Jadia of NFL Media will join us to talk about the Super Bowl and yesterday's championship games. He's coming up with Dan and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac in for Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. It's 101 ESPN in St. Louis, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and a friend of the show, Jeffrey Chudia of NFL Media, kind enough to join us as we approach Super Bowl 56 and on the heels of the AFC and NFC Championship Games. Jeffrey, it's always good to talk to you. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Great talk to you guys. And uh, yesterday, uh, I-, I mentioned at the top of our show, a huge disappointment for Kansas City and actually the entire state of Missouri disappointed with the Chiefs' loss and the Rams' win. Yeah, yeah, that uh, can't have a tougher day for if you're football fans around here. And uh, yeah, I'll start with the Chiefs' game. I was at that game, and it was uh, a tale of two halves. It was uh, mind-boggling to see the Chiefs look so dominant in the first half and then fall apart in the second half. But that's really what Joe Burrow has done and what the Cincinnati Bengals have become. I mean, they're they are. Beyond being an underdog story, as Joe Burrow said, they are, they are a really good football team that deserves to be the AFC champion. And on the flip side of it, the Rams, you know, um, as painful as for the city uh, of St. Louis to watch this, I mean, it comes back to quarterback play. They went out and got uh, Matthew Stafford. You saw it in the, in the fourth quarter of that game. Made some huge plays when they were down 10 and, and pulled it out. So, again, it was uh, you wouldn't have predicted this kind of Super Bowl matchup, but it's, it's what we got. 55 yards from Mahomes in the in the second half. What did you see that the Bengals did with the adjustment to, to get to him and, and basically shut him down? Well, the big thing they did, they just started rushing three guys and, and being more disciplined with their pass rush lanes with those three players up front and just dropping everybody in the coverage. And the Chiefs, for the second half of the season, did a great job of taking what defense has given them. And they really morphed back into the team they were in the first half of the season that was trying to make a lot of big plays not being patient, not relying on the run game, it really came back up to, to, to bite him. When you see Patrick Mahomes running around as much as he was behind the line of scrimmage, trying to buy time and not really getting anywhere, that's exactly what Smitty wanted to, to, to have happen. And so, yeah, it was, a, again, a great adjustment. Uh, wasn't anything that you hadn't seen before, but they couldn't deal with it. Jeffrey Chudia of NFL Media with us on 101 ESPN. And Jeffrey, so often when the team that we expect to win doesn't win, we have a tendency to blame that team rather than give the other team credit. And I'm sitting here today, I'm giving the, the Bengals a lot of credit. It sounds like you are too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, look, I, that game, I think we can all agree that game changed on, on one play in the mm-hmm. first half. And the Chiefs got greedy, trying to throw the ball, trying to go for a touchdown. He was a Tyreek Hill short of the goal line. Eli Apple made a great tackle. The Chiefs not getting points there gave uh, the Bengals a ton of momentum. They've been in this game. It was basically the same game they played the first time they played. Bengals got down by a couple scores. They trailed by 11 at halftime, and then they turned it on in the second half. And so, yeah, I give them a ton of credit because I've seen them play a few times, and the one thing I know about them is they do not rattle. No matter what situation they're facing, how down they get, they don't panic. And you saw that again yesterday. What did you think of the uh, the way that the Rams finished up that game with the 49ers, the missed interception, which could have maybe sealed the game, but uh, it didn't. How did you think that that fared, you know, going down the stretch in the final 10 minutes? Oh, it, it was ironic because those are the kind of plays the Niners have been making yeah. throughout the postseason, right? I mean, they'd gotten the Dallas game where Dallas couldn't run a play at the end, and they got the blocked punt, the 
against Green Bay. And so that was just, you thought, this is the end right here. This is where they're going to put it away. And for that not to happen, it was certainly an ominous sign for that team because, because again, Matthew Stafford, um, I'm from Detroit, uh, Ann Arbor area. I, I, I followed his career, and so I know the knocks on him to talk about how he couldn't win big games and play big and big moments. And so, yeah, he turned it on. And you saw with that team, I, the Rams, when they're playing at a high level, they're as good as anybody in the NFL. The problem is they have moments when they look like, you know, a really mediocre team. And so that fourth quarter, they, they played like a great team. And, Jeffrey, it's interesting because in that last game of the regular season, the Rams played half a game. In the game against uh, San Francisco yesterday, in the game against Tampa Bay, they, they played half a game. And the Bengals have done that a lot, too. The, the Bengals have had multiple instances, including every playoff game, where they've played half a game. So the, it, we might get to the end of the Super Bowl where one team's played half a game, another team's played half a game, and it, it comes down to the last couple of minutes like every other playoff game this year. Yeah, I feel like it, it is coming that way, and um, and the Bengals, their their issues, they 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 they're a slow starting team, you know, and, and the Rams have had some fast starts and then struggled, you know, the second half. They tend to fall apart when they have success, but it's it's an interesting matchup for sure because you got one team that really built itself up to have this kind of success. The Rams had gone, you know, balls to the wall to to, to win a championship this year, and the Bengals came out of nowhere. You know, even Joe Burrow said that if you'd asked him at the start of the year if they were playing the Super Bowl. He would have laughed at you. You know, he was coming off major knee surgery. Nobody knew what Jamar Chase was. They had a bunch of new faces. They'd won six games in the previous two seasons. And so, you know, it's going to be a fun matchup, but I have to assume that uh, I like the Bengals right now just because of their story. And I want to see the Rams not win for St. Louis. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> we like to hear that. Uh, I'm going to follow that up. You know, I, I don't – you probably know the answer to this. I don't know how much of the capacity in terms of tickets is controlled by the league and, you know, going to their corporate sponsors and so on and so forth to satisfy that. But what kind of crowd are you anticipating in L.A.? which is typically, you know, this technically I guess would be a home game, but what do you think it'll be like for the Cincinnati faithful to be there? And what kind of, what kind of crowd are you expecting? Well, you know, since LA is a front running city, you know, I imagine they're going to have a lot of fans turn out for, for this game. It's a huge event. And they've been waiting to have this event in that town for a long time. Uh, or it's been a long time since it's been in that town, but I think the Bengals family show up strong. I mean, it's been 30 years since they've been in the Super Bowl, And so I was surprised by how many were at the chiefs game and when the Chiefs when the Chiefs started to get down and the Bengals started to make their run, we started to hear those who day chants out there. So I think the Bengals, if there's anybody left in the city of Cincinnati when this game starts, <laughs> I'll be shocked because uh, this is their chance to make up for a lot of a lot of tough years. Hey Jeffrey, we know how fragile success is in the NFL. We thought that the greatest show on turf would go on forever here in St. Louis, and I'm sure that Kansas City fans, because Mahomes has the contract, are thinking that too. But I would think Andy Reid and really the the whole community, they've got to look at this as a real missed opportunity. Yeah, in a lot of ways, this team, you know, there's a lot of talk about this team being like the Patriots when Mahomes first got going and they won that first championship. And, and now it feels more like they could be like Seattle where they've got, you know, a couple of really good years where they're in the Super Bowl and then start to lose some pieces. And then they're a good team, but just not – winning championships, and they have a lot of big decisions to make. Um, it's very likely that this defense will lose Tyron Matthew and, and Frank Clark and Anthony Hitchens and uh, other key players. Um, they got to make some big decisions on, a, on how much money they're going to pay Orlando Brown at left tackle, and they got to get a new contract for Tyreek Hill. So, yeah, you're right. It, it's The longer you have success in this league, the more you're going to start losing key pieces of what you want to do. And as 
greatest factor my homes is, they are not inoculated from that. It's going to be a little bit different around here. A chapter closed yesterday with this loss. And by the way, you mentioned Orlando Brown, and and I really liked him with the Ravens. I loved him at right tackle. You have a better read on him than me. Did did he earn himself a big left tackle contract this year? Well, that's you know, in my mind, I, I don't think he did. But they're going to have to pay him, uh, have to overpay to hold on to him, and that's going to be a very interesting negotiation because. You know, you make the Pro Bowl, but that doesn't really mean that much anymore. He's had some, some, some games where he looked pretty uh, mediocre. Uh, but the going rate for an NFL left tackle right now is about $20 million a year. And I'm pretty sure they don't want to pay that kind of money, but he's probably going to want it. And so I, I think more, more likely thing is he gets franchised and we have an interesting offseason with him. But, uh, yeah, you start paying that kind of money to Orlando Brown, it's going to cripple you in other parts of your roster. So when you're covering the NFL, you're always talking about Tom Brady. He was making big news over the weekend. When will that become official? You think that he is uh, retiring from the game? Uh, pretty soon, probably. I mean, I think it's fairly official now. I mean, everybody <laughs> under the gun is under the sun reported already. It feels more like he's unhappy about how it got reported. So how did but, it get out? If you if you don't mind, if you know, kind of going into the weeds here, do you know how it got out? Oh, you know, he's got a, a lot of his – he's got a couple of friends, people in his inner circle who are real cozy reporters. Um, you know, I know that his agent, obviously, is somebody who likes talking to reporters. And I, I just think people talk. And so, all of a sudden, uh, people are getting phone calls about it. It's getting out. And he's got a production company. He's been doing a lot of stuff with ESPN. I'm sure he had something that he wanted to plan that would be a big reveal. And so Tom Brady is as big a control because there is in the NFL. And so I think that's what's upsetting. He hadn't talked to the team, hadn't told his coach. And so, but my thing is, if you want to keep a secret, don't tell people. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Jeffrey Chidea, we always like having you on here in St. Louis. Thanks so much for the time. And are you headed to L.A.? Are you going to cover things down there? I will. I'll head in there next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. So I'm looking forward to it. We'll be reading all your work at NFL.com and uh, seeing you around. Thank you, sir. Take care. All right, guys, you take care, too. Thank you. Jeffrey Chidea of NFL Media joining us on 101 ESPN. That's how it gets out. Yep. A couple guys talk. Agents are connected with reporters because, you know what, that agent, he's got a few other guys that he needs to take care of, too. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you just float a little info on this guy and you say, hey, don't forget I took care of you on this thing. Take care of yep. me on this. Yep, That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up on today's big thing, we want to hear from you. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line, and you can leave us a mic drop. I said earlier in the show, I, I hate the Rams, but them winning doesn't ruin my day. Does it ruin yours? How mad or upset are you that the Los Angeles Rams left us and are now in the Super Bowl in 2022? We want to hear from you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. 903 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Today's big thing. How are you affected by a Rams win or a loss? Dan, I root hard for the team that the Rams are playing. Every every week of the season and in the playoffs, my favorite team is the team that the Rams are playing. But once my team, like the 49ers last night, lose a game, I'm able to, kind of like a baseball player, just to put it behind me 
and move on. It doesn't ruin my day the next day. It, it did for a while if the Rams would win a game, especially that first year with McVay when I was emotionally invested in their losing. But I, I'm not that emotionally invested anymore. People say get over it. I have fun when they lose, but it doesn't oh, yeah. ruin me when they don't. If I have a rooting interest, yeah, I'm rooting against the Rams for sure because of everything that's happened here. I don't get emotionally invested too much one way or another, really in all sports. Um, and I think it's part of it's because of my job. I you can't, I don't know, you just can't get too high, you, get, you can't get too low. You know what I mean? You just mm-hmm. kind of stay even keel. I think, though, what makes this tough is that we're on the heels of the settlement. That's one of the things that I'm thinking about. And this is exactly what they wanted to happen. I mean, they they put their eggs in this basket mm-hmm. to where they don't have a first rounder until what twenty four, so they're they, you know they 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 gave up a lot to try to go for it and get a Super Bowl in their home stadium, and to have that NFC Championship trophy held by Stan yesterday mm-hmm. eh, a little rough to watch, uh, and then it works out to where now they're going to host the uh, the Super Bowl at their home stadium. Yeah. That that's the tough part. A lot of response from you. We appreciate it. The text line 65780, the mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app from the 314. Seeing Kroenke hold the NFC Championship trophy made me physically sick. His quote, well, we've been here five years, and I think it's been a great five years. STFU. Uh, can't disagree with well, that. I think he said it's been five or what has it been, six? Is what he said when he was on the podium. Okay, he yeah. I so wasn't quite sure how long he'd been there. From the 314, did anyone notice that on the postgame podium, uh, he referred to the fans as the best in football? That had to be a first after a big game. <laughs> uh, it was very – I mean, if, you, if you're on social media, there's a lot of people that were taking pictures of just – and video of how much of the stadium was filled by 49er fans – and it was it was incredible how many 49er fans were there oh, for man. an NFC championship game in LA. Yeah, people in the building were suggesting it was 80%. Wow. Which That's is a lot. A, a well, when they for, scored for an NFC championship game. I put it on Twitter. Is that the most embarrassing thing for a fan base to ever have happen to them? Well, it's not good in any sport when somebody comes in and takes over your building. But in an NFC championship yeah. game, too. I mean, regular season, you would see, like, Red Wings fans. They'd make a trip to St. Louis. Yeah. There'd be a lot of them. A lot of Blackhawk fans uh, would come to St. Louis. I think you have Cub fans that come, certainly, to Cardinal weekend series. Mm-hmm. It's just a, you know, it's something to do. It's a trip. But with a game of that caliber, yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty amazing. Think about when the Cardinals played the Cubs in the playoffs. We, we, we didn't have near the blue in the stands. Now, we, we had some Cub fans that made it in, mm-hmm. but certainly not what we see 50-50 during a regular season, right? And certainly nothing compared to the playoffs yesterday. I, you know what I thought was crazy was in baseball when the Braves are making their run and they couldn't sell out their playoff games. And, I mean, there was mm-hmm. empty big gaps in the stadium. Yeah. I mean, you'd had that a lot, too. Right. And that's not good either. No. A uh, friend of the station, Janet, has Is a mic drop for us. I believe so. All right, Janet. First of all, I'm loving the show with Danny on it. He's Aww. so good. Oh, thanks, and Janet. And he really compliments you, Randy. That's sweet of you. But basically, I'm not really upset with the Rams as much as I am with Cronky. I makes me sick to my stomach to see him raise anything. Can't stand Stan Cronky. But the Rams, I don't hate them as much as I do Cronky. 
and Jerry Jones and Goodell. Janet, I think that's a prevailing feeling among many St. Louis. What a sweetheart, huh? She's awesome. Love her. All right. Uh, text from the 618. I can't wait until all these traded draft picks cripple the Rams and they struggle to compete. That will happen at some point. Oh, yeah. That's going to be That's going to catch bad. up to them. You, you don't have first-rounders. You don't have second-rounders. You don't have players. I mean, you can't win. It's no. tough to win. You need, you need players. That's how it works in the NFL. Yep. What else you got there? From uh, the 636, I'm not not upset the, about the Rams at all. We've gained so much since losing them. It's a distant memory. Also, every once in a while, a blind squirrel finds a nut, and eventually they were going to win one. Well, I, I was hoping kind of they'd be the Detroit Lions win one finding a nut. Don't you think, though, that this one's – I just think it's almost – I mean, they, they've been gone, and they've now gone to two Super Bowls, and obviously they've invested into the product. But to have it at their stadium where everything they built up to get to this point, and it worked. Yeah, that the, one stinks. Well, and I, I don't give them much credit for being smart. But the way they systematically set their team up to fail in St. Louis to oh. alienate the fan base, that was pretty smart. I mean, when you have the second pick in the draft and, you knew, and use it on Greg Robinson – and say, well, we think he's going to be good. Or when you when you take Bradford, number one overall, never give him a wide receiver, never give him a left tackle. Now, Sam Bradford should sue for lack of support, but they did lose smartly. Who? Uh, let's just take top 15 picks of the Greg Robinson draft, Randy. I wanted... Who was in there that... I, I uh, wanted Sammy Watkins. Yeah. Now, here's what makes it obvious, is that they didn't want Jake Matthews, who was a plug-and-play guy. Oh, yeah. Who had played three different positions yeah. at Texas A&M, played in a Super Bowl at left tackle for the Falcons, and the Rams didn't want him. They wanted the 20-year-old Greg Robinson because they thought that he was going to turn into a great player. They obviously... They were trying to lose. They were not making an effort to protect their quarterback at that point. We got Matt. There were three bad picks really in the top fifteen, and that was Blake Bortles at three, Justin Gilbert, the cornerback for the Browns at eight, and then I guess you could say Eric Ebron, the tight end for the, the Lions. Other than that, I mean Taylor Lewan, Odell Beckham, yeah, Lewan Barr, was another one they could have taken. Yeah. Jake Matthews, Mike Evans, Khalil Mack. I mean, it, it was talent all over the place in that first round. Yeah, uh, Evans would have yeah. been good. Yeah. So uh, let's take John's mic drop here on 101 ESPN. All right, John. me, if the Rams win the Super Bowl, I don't care. Those players didn't do anything to me. Now, do I want Stan Kroenke to win anything ever again other than the dumbest beep, beep, beep in the world trophy? No. I cannot stand Stan Kroenke. Screw him. I hope that the toilet overflows in his luxury box <laughs> on Super Bowl Sunday. Thank you, John. And I, I'm the same way. I, whether or not the players succeed or not is... I'm a fan I, of Aaron I, Donald. I, I, don't, I don't root against their you players. You like Aaron Donald? Yeah. But here's the thing. If their players succeed, that means he succeeds. And I don't want to see that. I like this text a lot from the 618. I would cheer for North Korea before I would cheer for the Rams. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. And they've struggled to find that quarterback for a long time, Kim yeah. Jong-un. Yeah, he's, I mean, he went into, they've even tried the transfer portal. Didn't work. <laughs> even that didn't work. No. Uh, from the 618, it sure as hell ruined my day. Then my main sewer line backed up as well. All around crappy day, no pun intended. That's a tough day. 
That is. That's a tough day. Well, I know fans are going to get sick of hearing about it. you got two weeks, though, build up with this stuff. That's the thing. Two weeks, Randall. I know. Michelle's on vacation for two weeks. Yeah, so we'll be here. We'll talk. We, we've will we got Ozzy Smith on the show tomorrow. Well, we've there's got... a lot of baseball we can get in. Well, yeah, there's some yeah. hockey. No, they're off for 11 days. Yeah. Well, what about the col- no, college football? Okay, well, I guess we got to get used to it. We, we can talk old school stuff, too. Okay, I like that. Uh, from the 419, stop being a crybaby. The Cardinals came from Chicago. The Rams came from Cleveland. The Ravens and Rams have been as six Super Bowls as, and the Cleveland Browns have been in zero. And I'm not crying. Have a great day. Well, the league was a little bit different, first of all, when uh, the Chicago Cardinals moved to St. Louis. That was a league-sanctioned yeah, they, well, they and requested a, event. Yeah, well, they couldn't get a dome. That was the problem back then. Also, like yeah. in 1930-whatever. Yeah. The city of Baltimore has a team in one. But ask, you know, yeah. somebody who was alive in Baltimore, you know, in the 70s and 80s, what they feel about the, the Indianapolis Colts, and they'll have a story for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's, 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 teams don't get over it. No. Yeah, you, you shouldn't get over it. Stan's got to be the most hated sports figure in the history of this town without Stan Kroenke. <laughs> well, he is, to use a uh, Bob Costas term, He's secretariat in the Belmont, 31 lengths ahead of the second place person. I mean, it's not even close. No, not even close. In fact, I I would say that Demoff and Keenan, it's probably neck and neck. We should do a Twitter poll. Demoff and Keenan? Yeah. Oh, Demoff. He's not even close. Twitter poll blown up at Randy Carricker. Let me put this baby up and we'll... Then Mike uh, Keenan? Mike Keenan brought you Chris Pronger. But Mike Keenan... Also lost you, Brett Hall. Here's the thing. I actually think, I know it's the name recognition might not be there, but I think if, if you know both the whole story about Demoff and the whole story about Kroenke, I think people who know everything, you know, hate Demoff even more because of the, the minion status of him just, you know, it makes it even more annoying than the Kroenke one. At least for him, I can be like, yeah, you know what? You're a businessman. You're making $3 billion. Fine. Demoff, though, it's just like, I mean, he's just he's just the Smithers. And, and whoever respects that. Yeah. Not only that, he's a Smithers who got his who got a job because his dad was super, you know, competent and the best agent in the world. I mean, he's he's the worst combination of everything. Smithers with nepotism. Well, I I just my whole thing was, would you feel differently though, Randy? I mean, you you're passionate and you say, well, I'm not. You're emotional. If if Stan would have said, look, here's the deal. My stadium is not very good. I don't like it. It's not up to where it needs to be. And uh, I'm going to be truthful with everybody here. I'm leaving because I can go relocate and make more money, and that's what I'm doing. Would you feel differently today? I would feel completely differently, and I can tell you this, Dan, there would not have been a lawsuit. Oh, yeah. I mean, just I think for us that are St. Louis natives that are proud of where we're from and proud of the city and trying to make things better around here, and God knows we have some warts, but how he kicked the city and the Mm -hmm. groin on the way out was the tough thing. If if he would have just said... Oh, sorry. It's a business. I think yeah. everybody would have been on board. Okay, the poll is up at Randy Carricker. Dan will uh, retweet it, I'm sure. Who is the sure. most hated person in the history of St. Louis sports? Is it Stan Kroenke, Kevin Demoff, Mike Keenan, or Bill Bidwell? I threw him in there as a fourth, and I think he'll be uh, he'll be lagging behind dramatically. So who are the four? You got Kroenke, Kroenke Demoff, Demoff, Keenan, Bidwell. So I'd say Keenan is the last. I bet he finishes last in the poll. 
I mean, you're talking about guys that help orchestrate moves out of franchises moving out of town. Right. As opposed to, well, you just fired a coach. But yeah, I think Mike was, Keenan just gave a little color. And with Bidwell, it was St. Louis's fault. Bidwell did everything he could to try to stay in St. Louis. So I'll be interested to see how this uh, winds up. Right now, let's see, uh, quick few votes. Cronky uh, in the lead with 60%, Demoff with 40%, Keenan and Bidwell. So go to Randy at Randy Carricker. And vote. Is that up for a day? What do you got it up for? I've got it up for 12 hours. All right. So uh, go vote. All right. That's Dan. I'm Randy. And that's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Thank you so much for your participation, by the way. Next up, the Cardinals, hopefully, will get spring training started sooner rather than later. If they get started later, is having a veteran team going to matter when they get started? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I still love to play. I'm still training like I'm, you know, I'm going to be ready. Whether 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 anybody else is going to be ready, I know some of my teammates. I've been talking with Jack and a bunch of other people, and I know those guys are working their tails off. We're going to be ready to play from the first from the first day they tell it. That was Adam Wainwright, and Dan, it seems pretty clear now that it's going to be very difficult for baseball to reach an agreement within two weeks, which is the normal time for... Oh, you never say never, Randy. I'm just saying never, never, I'm not saying never. I'm just saying very difficult. All right. But I do think that there's something to be said. We know that Yadi Molina is always preparing. We know that Adam Wainwright is always preparing. We watch Jack Flaherty on social media. We know that Jack Flaherty is always preparing. Arenado is always preparing. Goldschmidt. That's one thing, and you know it intimately because you're around the team, but the Cardinals make a real concerted effort when they sign players to big money contracts or they acquire players to have them be guys that work hard. Why did... Matt Holiday get that $120 million from the Cardinals because they knew of his work ethic during the offseason. Yeah. This is one team that I believe will be ready to go when the bell rings. I, I would assume that there's a lot of teams like that, but I know that this team isn't going to need as much time to prepare if there is a delay as some teams in baseball. Yeah, because of the guys you mentioned, um, I'm, I'm in agreement with you, and I think we'd be naive to... Um, assume that other teams are not going to feel the same way about their guys. What I'm really interested in, I haven't heard much about this prior to the lockout. Did teams, when they could talk to players, did their training staff, and a lot of times what they do, Randy, is like the, tra- the training staff will say, okay, I got Randy Carricker. He's going to be my shortstop this season. Uh, we've had him for a few years, and here's the regimen of what we'd like to you to do in your off-season program. We don't have to be there every day. That's fine. And you're going to have your personal trainer, which many of these guys do, but this is what we're looking to improve upon with your strength. And they can measure strength in various ways. Mm-hmm. And same thing with pitchers. And if they gave them that type of program um, to get through, here's the thing. They can't talk to these guys. Right, at and, all. And no, they, not even trainers or doctors. That's right. And they've been steadfast in the fact that they are not doing that. I mean, players are trying to reach out to get maybe help on certain things, and they can't. Just can't do it. And if they're contacted, it's just like, hey, I, I'm sorry, can't help you. We we got to wait until this thing is through. And then once that's done, then business is, you know, back open. Can I just that, make that's one just quick point? Frustrating, here? man. Yeah, it, it's really disingenuous on the part of the owners. Think about the investment that the Cardinals have in a guy like Jordan Hicks. He doesn't know how to rehab. 
he he's a young kid. He's never been through this before. Obviously, he's had to deal with it for the last couple of years. But all things being equal, you'd like to have your people's hands on Jordan Hicks as he tries to prepare for a season. The fact that he isn't, that is really negligent on the part, not of the Cardinals, but on the part of Major League Baseball to not allow any communication between employees of the ball clubs and players. By the way, Jason Isringhausen wanted to participate in Adam Wainwright's charity event. He's not allowed to. Even ushers were sent emails saying don't interact with players during the offseason. Nobody employed by Major League Baseball is supposed to interact with players. Winter leagues, if you have a coach that's managing a winter league team and a player on a 40-man roster, they are not supposed to interact during, and now they're in the Caribbean series, but they aren't supposed to interact, which is ridiculous. But if baseball owners were smart, they'd say, look, we don't want you dealing with managers or coaches, but you're a player that's hurt you are allowed this sort of interaction with a trainer or a strength coach or a doctor. Well, you you said it, I think, properly. Organizations want their hands, meaning their medical team, on that particular player. Now, with guys that are coming back from injury, it's not to say that they can't go to other places and get Mm -hmm. the proper care that they need, because they will. They can. However, you want your eyes on that player. You just do. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's your investment. That's... Your guy, you you want to know firsthand what our doctors are saying about that player. So I'm with you on that one. Um, the other part about this, too, that's kind of interesting is like the 40-man roster. So in a couple of weeks, camps are supposed to open up. And you've got, let's say, Pacheco or Walsh or two guys that they are high on. Um, Ivan Herrera, another one. Now, these are guys that haven't played Major League Baseball. Uh, Juan Yepes is another one who was added to the 40-man roster for the playoff game against the Dodgers. If you're on the 40-man roster, you cannot report to spring training because you're technically part of the union. So that's, again, something I just don't like. I mean, because you're not – you're talking about young players that you need to have get experience. Now, Nolan Gorman and Matthew Libertor, they're not on the 40-man roster yet. So their you know, business is usual for them going down to spring training. The other thing, too, Randy, with the shortened spring training, what's going to be, there's a lot of tentacles to this. But with those young players, like if I'm Nolan Gorman, I, I'm sitting there saying, man, I'd, I'd love to have the full six weeks so that mm-hmm. the Major League staff's eyes are on me. So that they see what, like, Lars Newbar did last year on the backfield, not on the main stage. But they knew Lars Newbar, they saw some things when he was being put in these games that are done on the backfields or a guy's rehabbing and they needed bats or there's a simulated game and he opened up eyes. That's where these guys can make an impression. Mm-hmm. And if you now think about it, if you have somebody, let's say just for argument's sake, you you get a, a four week spring training and you're going to start firing up games in, in three um, in three weeks and try to get as many as you can. You know, you're probably going to play a lot of your main guys so that they get as many at-bats as they can. And that's when you'd love to watch Jordan Walker and yeah, you'd right. love to to see Nolan Gorman and to see some of these players that uh, you're excited about. But it may cost them some playing time, at-bats, whatever, seeing Nolan Gorman play second in a Major League spring training game. Those kind of things. 
that's from a the playing perspective that frustrates me with what's going on right now. So even though the Cardinals do have a lot of veterans, clearly things are not going to be perfect for them when they get to spring training. By the way, on our Twitter vote, you can vote at Randy Carricker. 101 ESPN has retweeted this. We're up at nearly 800 votes in the last 15 minutes. Stan Kroenke leading the way for the question, who's the most hated person in the history of St. Louis sports? Kroenke now with 89, and we're nearly, we're 896 votes in 16 minutes, or no, 13 minutes. Uh, Stan Kroenke with 89.2% of the vote. Wow. Demoff at 4.8. I thought Kroenke would get 9 out of 10. And he's on the way. Uh, Keenan has 4.7, and Bill Bidwell only has 1.3% of the vote. Coming up, Smalls isn't here, but we're still going to do, you're killing me, Smalls. I'm filling in next. Have you, do you have like a catalog of I've got odd stories? Some stuff that you'll love. Danny. Okay, I'm ready. It's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. All right, let's get things started with... Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. Smalls. There we go. Uh, Dan. Yes, sir. Great news. Congratulations. Uh, Riri, Rihanna, remember her? Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. She is uh, with child. She has a bun in the oven with ASAP Rocky, one of the famous rappers of all time. You got to spell it with a dollar sign, though, Randall. A dollar sign, A P R O C K Y. And Riri showing off her baby bump. So, congratulations to those two wild and crazy kids. That would be great to have Jack interview I'm here with ASAP Rock. (laughs) ASAP Rock will be performing at halftime. A dollar sign, A P Rock. First he was, would do that. Just yeah. point, he goes, listen, now tell me, ASAP, how did you get into the music business? <laughs> oh, yeah. Just called him by the first name. You, sir, know how to rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it would start. Yeah. So uh, I wonder, like, kids today, <laughs> my daughter pointed out this weekend, she does not remember the <laughs> NFL without Tom Brady. She's 24. Brady's played for 22 years. Are there That's kids, incredible. Yeah. Holy cow. Are, are there kids out there? that don't know who Rihanna is because it's been a minute since she turned out a record. Was she, uh, she was in, uh, one of the oceans movies, I guess and she did. Uh, she was with Eminem for a while, had a, you know, she would sing on some of his stuff. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So that was, that's probably within the last five to 10 years. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. Riri's happened. Okay. Yeah. Good. But you know, halftime show though, is going to have Dr. Dre. Right. And Can't that's, wait that's that. been a while. Yeah. Snoop Dogg. Now, Snoop, Snoop Dogg is so is, mainstream. Is he's that the very, most mainstream shock in the world? He is still relevant. Yeah, totally. God rest the soul of my father who has been gone, I guess, uh, I would say, Randy, he's been dead for 25 years now, 26, mm-hmm. something like that. And so when he came out with gin and juice and he's wearing the uh, the Pittsburgh hockey sweater on a bike yep. or something, yeah. going, my dad came out one time and he was... He, and he said, rolling down the street, <laughs> sipping on gin and laid back. I said, what are you doing? He said, I've been watching Snoop. 
So that goes back to that, and he's still relevant now to where he's going to be playing at a halftime show. Terrific. All of a sudden, his friendship with Martha Stewart makes a lot more sense to me. Like if he could, if he could cross that boundary with your yeah. father just through the music, I'm not surprised he became best friends with Martha Stewart. Oh, it makes so much sense. My dad yeah. loves Snoop. That's amazing. How can you not love Snoop? And my dad loved. I've been like, to a Snoop concert. Have you really? In Indy for the Super Bowl. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It was the I, whole gang. It was <clears> Dunk. <throat> it was Demarco. It was Michelle. Yeah, we we had the whole gang there. But, but uh, well, it was a decade ago. I saw Public Enemy down in Columbia. That was good. That uh, would be fun. Yeah. That'd yeah. be good. When was this? Uh, that was a long time ago. That's oh. 25, 30 years ago. Ooh. Doug Smith got on stage. He rapped. <laughs> it was great. That's beautiful. You're killing me, Smalls. Danny, it seems like the Rams, because they're in L.A., should have a pretty good idea of celebrities. Yesterday, during the NFC Championship game, they showed Big Sean and Gene Echo on the big board, but they labeled them as Sarah Michelle Geller and Freddie Prinze Jr. They had no idea who the celebrities were that they had provided tickets to at their game. So they were on the video board? And how they thought that uh, Gene Aiko was Sarah Michelle Geller, I have no idea. But yeah, they've got a big shot on the on the big board. And uh, yeah, Freddie Prince Jr. is not Big Sean. They don't look at all alike. Who's Big Sean? He's a rapper, too. Oh, okay. And who's the other one? Uh, Gene Aiko. Who's Gene Aiko? Uh, she is a famous person in L.A. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I need to get caught up with this stuff. This is why I love this segment. It really it brings me back into uh, culture. Don't feel bad. I'm, I'm yeah. like one for three on the, on the names. Okay. Yeah, well. I don't, I don't, good. yeah, Randy knows all this stuff, though, because Randy kind of... Well, I mean, look at him opening up with a Riri uh, commentary. Well, uh, Randy's all over social uh, media. Uh, how about Big Sean dropping 120000 <laughs> on a ring for the lovely Ms. Aiko? Not even an engagement ring, just uh, a ring. By the way, do you see the parlay that turned into like a 500000 20 bucks, yeah. And he got... Somebody played a parlay with the... Accurate scores of both games yesterday. It's amazing. And made a ton of money. So put down 20 and I think won like four or 500 grand, something like that. I got buddies yeah. that go, like they do the, um, they every every year and they go out to Vegas and they have the fantasy draft. But then they'll, they'll take, I don't know if you do this, Randy, but they take like what would be this year's Bengals and say, okay, hey, why don't we all put in a pot of, you know, like 25 bucks each guy. And we'll put, you know, wind up being like a $250, $300 bet. And if we hit to win the Super Bowl, because the odds are so bad. Right, going to be know, rich. Yeah, yeah. you're going you're to make good money. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure somebody probably hit it with uh, the Bengals. Because I think they're one of four or five teams to have four wins the previous year and then get to the Super Bowl. And the only mm-hmm. team to have ever won it is the, the St. Louis Rams. Right. From yeah. the previous year to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. So yesterday, this was a $20 bet on FanDuel Sportsbook. And it was a parlay for both scores. Bengals 27, Chiefs 24, and then Rams 20, 49ers 17. The player got both right. And on the $20 bet made, the total was... Uh, $579 maybe? That's what somebody just texted yeah. in. I think yeah. that sounds right. Right. So pretty phenomenal. You That's like awesome, that, huh? Oh, I love it. Twenty bucks turned it into five hundred seventy-nine k. That's life changing. Five hundred seventy-nine thousand twenty dollars. So after taxes, you're walking away with about three hundred k in your pocket. Bad. Yep, pretty good. You're killing, killing me, Smalls. Me small. 
So yesterday, we talked about the play at the end of the first half. Tyreek Hill is yeah. not in the end zone. Patrick Mahomes throws it to him, and the Chiefs don't score. And the Chiefs fully anticipated being in the Super Bowl. Well, Eli Apple, the cornerback involved for the Bengals on that play, has offered to buy Super Bowl tickets for Tyreek Hill and Mecole Hardman. Ooh, is that a is that a shot? I you know what I, I think he stay away from that stuff because there is karma. Yeah, and it's gonna come back to get you. You don't do that. No, no, I don't think you do that, Randall. You know what? No, you don't offer to buy tickets for the guys. No, no, you don't. That was kind of the same thing we were talking about before the show, Randy, where I pointed out that one of the Bengals offensive linemen got on Twitter yesterday to carp and say, well, what offensive lineman problems? Because that was always the, the comment after the nine sack thing. Well, and I, I just think you might want to sit back until you uh, face off against the St. Louis Rams and Aaron Donald yeah, and right. Von Miller yeah. and all those guys before you start carping about people talking too much about your offensive line. Yeah, no doubt. So here's the tweet from Eli Apple. Hey, Michael Hardman four and Cheetah DM me all number and I'll hook you up with them. Super Bowl tickets on me. Take it or leave it. If you are Hill and Hardman, you're taking them up on the offer just to sell the tickets. Well, yeah, just go uh, secondary market and make some money. Yeah. Or just give them to some Rams fans, friends. On Eli Apple. Did you see? Um, I don't know if you saw this. This might be part of your killing me smalls. It had to be a spoof. I think it had to be. But um, on social media, I think his TV station out of Kansas City said, against all odds in capital letters, we were never supposed to be here. We were never meant to make it this far. But against all odds, we did. What a season. Thank you for the incredible ride. We will always be Chiefs Kingdom. Now, that, that had to be a, a spoof on something out there that I don't know. Like you Ted Lasso so. or something. I, it had to be. It wasn't against all odds. The, the they Chiefs were the were... favorite to win the AFC and win the Super Bowl. And... Th- if you were going against all odds, it would be the Bengals, right? Yes. <laughs> that can't be right, right? You wouldn't think so. It's but still up. There are a lot of people that are doing sports against tweets what for radio and TV stations that have no idea about sports. This happens a lot with people that don't know about sports. That is true. That you get people, and then it's dangerous. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, you're killing me, Smalls. Uh, I got, I'm out of material. I gave you one right there, yeah, and you didn't perfect. take it and no, run with it because no, no, it wasn't yours. I used it. No, it was no, good. You it, didn't. That, that was high quality material, Daniel. What do you think Jack Buck would have been like on Twitter? I think he'd have been awesome. We he were talking about Jack Bucker. Funny. Yeah. Oh, we were talking about him earlier with the a dollar yeah. sign, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Would he have given us some gambling advice? Well, I was just. I, we were talking about him on Twitter or, or on the, the what he would say, and then we, we were talking about the gambling, and it made me just go back to Jack. Every once in a while, he <laughs> may ring the phone yep. in KMOX yep. and tell either you or I to call a personal <laughs> friend of his and do some business. Yep. Here we are, uh, about 28 minutes Is into our you? poll. And, it's, and by the way, you can vote on the poll all day. It's a 12-hour poll. Uh, We're at uh, almost 1,700 votes now. And uh, who is the most hated person in the history of St. Louis sports? You can find it at Randy Carricker. Just go to uh, the 101 ESPN website and you can go to it. Stan Kroenke, Dan said 9 out of 10. He's at 90.7% right now. He's on a roll. I think what we need to do, Randy, is find maybe do a GoFundMe. And send you out to the Super Bowl that allows you to go to a... um, party that Stan will be at. That'll be fun. I would enjoy that. And uh, we'll, we'll get a camera ready and it'll be you and Stan in a meeting, 
of some sort, mm-hmm. face to face, and whatever happens, happen. I mean, I don't want any physical I would violence. Enjoy it, yeah. I just want to hear what you might say to Stan. I don't think Stan would talk to me. When I've been around him in the two times... Does he walk away or sees yeah, you and then kind of just... He, he doesn't yeah. show any desire to, to speak to me. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Demoff is in second place right now at 4.5%. Keenan in third place at 3.6%. And Bill Bidwill at only 1.3%. We are going to provide you what's on tap with the balloon party. I think T-Mac is back today. A new child and T-Mac... You know, I'm concerned about what? today. I didn't know if he was going to be... Uh, back today or not, but I, I am concerned about BK. Did you? Were you there at the party? I wasn't yesterday? there at the end, but okay. apparently things were I not was, going well. Yeah, I was there at the end. He looked. He was in a rough spot. Distraught. He was in a rough spot. And yeah. Tanner yeah, must rough. have been thrilled. Oh yeah, Tanner was right there, uh, providing just the worst kind of moral support. I think <laughs> uh, I was. I was looking at the ESPN Twitter uh, site, and they had pictures of <laughs> that that group together, and Tanner. Back with his mm-hmm. thumbs up, smiling, his yeah. Rams shirt on, and poor BK, his face in his hands, distraught, um, upset. It was funny. It was funny. The underrated part of that is that uh, there's one where he's really happy, and BK's hands are in his face. And as he's walking behind him, also rooting for the Chiefs was Tommy Mattern, and Tanner goes to give him a high five, <laughs> and the look on Tommy's face is priceless. <laughs> I love so it. you can check that out on the 101 ESPN Twitter page. We're going to head down the stretch with what's on tap next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Okay, should we uh, update the old poll uh, here, Daniel? Sure. Let's get the latest. I got to do the refresh button here. People are uh, participating at a high level here, and this is good. And one suggestion, by the way, that we should have Kronky and Demoff linked together. But we Ooh. don't. Then so, it would be like 95%. Yeah. Uh, we're at over 2,000 votes now. And thanks for participating because we're only, what, uh, 35 minutes in. Who is the most hated person in the history of St. Louis sports? Stan Kroenke is running away with 91% of the vote. Kevin Demoff at 4%. Mike Keenan at 3.6%. And Bill Bidwell, as I I expected, I thought it would be a few more, but 1.4%. Bill Bidwell did desperately want the football Cardinals to stay here. And I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again because I think it is a salient point. When Governor Ashcroft signed the financing for the Dome, in 1990, this was three years after the football Cardinals have had left. I was at KMOX, and Jim Holder called Mr. Bidwell in Arizona and said, what do you think of today's proceedings in which the governor signed off on legislation to provide funding for a dome in downtown St. Louis? And Mr. Bidwell said, well, if that had happened five years ago, this would be a local call. Yeah. He, he wanted to be here, and if, if he would have been presented the dome that we wound up opening seven years later, then the football Cardinals would have never left. Let me ask you this. You you might know the answer to this question. Stan still has a lot of holdings here in this area. Apparently he does. You think he ever comes back to this area? And, and not to relocate. I mean, just to, you know, hey, I've got a meeting. I've got to make sure and take this. I'm looking at this piece of property. I'm doing this, that, and the other. I think he's still got a condo at that that building that he owns right next door to the Ritz. Okay. I think he's still got a condo in there. So I have to believe that he does. Wow. Very under the radar, I'm sure. Oh. 
better be, uh, and I'm got to be protected. Yeah, and my guess is, this is a guy that owns a lot of shell companies. My guess would be that those signs that used to say Cronky Group out in front of shopping centers yeah. are probably still owned by him, but just have different names. I would think they'd have to. Yeah. Remember, he was trying to do something a couple of summers ago with a piece of property in Wentzville. I mm-hmm. think it was Wentzville, and he was going to get some tax breaks on it. Did and, he pull that off? Ta- 65780 if you're in Wentzville, and he wound up getting that stuff built. And it was, I believe, and again, I I, don't, I shouldn't go down in too far of the weeds on this because I don't know the exact story, but I think, Randy, he was going to get some tax breaks on it, and some of the residents were very upset about yeah, that. That happened in Maryland Heights, too. Maybe and, it was Maryland Heights. Well, he and no, the, it happened in both because in Maryland Heights, there was such backlash, and it wasn't just because it was Cronky, it was because he was going to build on a floodplain protected area. Yeah. But he and Alan Bornstein picked up and left and said, okay, we won't do it. But then. A year or two later, they were going to do a development in Wentzville. And I don't know if that ever got approved by the Wentzville Board of Alder people or not. So if you do know, and Kroenke has that piece, there might have even been an ice rink involved in Wentzville. Okay. Uh, If you know, text us, 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. I mentioned shell companies, and this was several years ago, and... I would assume that it's still going on. By the way, 314, sadly, yes, the Cronky wentzville project passed and is in progress from the 314. So there you go. Thank you very much for the information on that. I was told a few years ago that there were so many lawsuits back and forth between shell companies of Cronky and of Dean Spanos involving the Rams and the Chargers and their participation in SoFi Stadium that there there was so much animosity between the two owners that employees of both teams were instructed to not communicate with each other. So if you're a Charger employee and a Rams employee and you're in charge of ticket sales and you say, hey, uh, I've got a friend that needs four for a Rams game. Can you trade me four? They weren't supposed to communicate at all. Well, the price of the tickets, too, is different, correct? It is, yeah. So, But just... It was just because of the lawsuits that they couldn't communicate. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, and I've heard so many different stories outside of sports concerning business dealings with Stan that uh, have gone awry and relationships and things of that nature. It's, you know, so I asked somebody that's in our business, I said, um, I said, if you could ask Stan one thing, now that everything's gone on and, and this this person is very bright. I said, uh, what, would you, what would you want to ask him? And I thought his answer was great. He said, what happened to you? What, wh- why mm-hmm. are you like, what made you get to this point to where all you care about is just the money in your pocket? And, and that's what drives you to the point that you're willing to sacrifice relationships with people or what he's done to a city or a community. What happened to you? Why, mm-hmm. why would you be like that? And I think it's a great question. Yeah. What? Who hurt you? Now, yeah. he was, by all accounts, bullied as a child in Mora, Missouri. And Mora, Missouri, several years ago, had the roof ripped off of their library. And they asked this man with $13.5 billion if he would donate $60,000 to repair I the roof of their library. Yeah. 
and he turned them down. Not only didn't respond, but literally turned them down and said, no, I'm not providing anything for you. Mm. And like I said in the town hall meeting, there is no evidence of him ever being philanthropic. And on the latest Forbes 400 list, not only do they rank everybody, but they also have a philanthropy score, and he got a zero. Wow. And I think it should be said that not only was he bullied, but specifically if you hear the stories that people have from him when he was younger, he was specifically bullied because his family was very poor mm-hmm. and and you know he didn't have you know he had one pair of shoes and it was ragged and they so were very ragged and torn him. apart and so he yeah. got bullied specifically for being poor and now you know he turns into kind of a miser that 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 part isn't that shocking you're a mean one mr grinch mm. uh dan this has been fun we've got two weeks of these all right buddy it's i don't know how long i i got this week i think all of next week and maybe a little bit the week after i like that okay good I, I'm in. I'm and up if, early uh, anyway. If the show so it winds matter. up with the COVID, you might have three. Well, we don't want her to get the we COVID. We don't, but it has happened. Well, we don't Mike, want her Mike to. Mike Ryder just laughed. I, I, <laughs> he said I, he can't believe that I did that. Yeah, we don't want her to get no, the COVID. No, we don't, but I'm just saying it has happened. The people traveling have received, uh, they, they've contracted yeah. the, the COVID. Well, the, she, uh, the Rona. She went to New York, so she flew yeah. right into a uh, big old storm. Yeah, I think they call it a bomb cyclone. Wow. Yeah. That's not great. Not great at all. No. Great job today also by our producer and engineer, the one and only Matt Rocchio. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Right now, Kroenke with 90.8% of the votes. Who's the most hated person in the history of St. Louis sports? Find it on Twitter at Randy Carricker. Demoff in second at 4.1. Keenan in third at 3.7. And Bidwill with 1.4% of the vote. We'll have the final votes for you tomorrow as we start the show. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of it. And until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.